does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin and Query here on what is another beautiful looking start to this week in Indianapolis. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton alongside. You guys, I was thinking about this on the drive in. You know, when you see the calendar June 5th, you're in a market that doesn't have a Major League Baseball team. You're kind of like, boy, it's quiet time for sports, this and that. Got to thinking, like, this is actually a pretty busy time locally and nationally here. Um, from a national angle, of course, we've got a real NBA final series after what the Heat did last night in the fourth quarter and tying that one up with Denver. From a local angle, uh, you could go a ton of directions. The Colts still have two weeks left in their offseason program. Trace Jackson Davis working out for the Pacers today. We've got a couple college baseball teams still alive. Shout hey. out to Indiana State. How about the moving trees, on. baby? The Sycamores of Indiana State. Moving on, they win their regional. A great competitive regional from a entertainment standpoint. A lot of close games, but Indiana State. Moving on to the Super Regional, and IU will have a chance to do that tonight. They actually had a chance to do it last night. Uh, Kentucky, after IU beat Kentucky earlier in the weekend, uh, Kentucky took care of business to advance to a final game here. So winner moves on with Kentucky and Indiana. That's a 6 o'clock first pitch coming up later tonight. So, you know, again, from a June 5th standpoint, guys, we got a little bit of everything. May I ask you a really dumb question? Sure. So, Indiana State, by advancing to the Super Regional, that is in Omaha or still a step away from Omaha? Yeah, still a step away. So, basically, the NCAA baseball bracket is 64 teams yep. divided into 16 four-team regionals. Right. And so, just Indiana, like just adv- Indiana State just advanced out of their regional. So, now they are in the Sweet 16, if you will. Right. And the Sweet 16 are eight two-team Super Regionals. So you get a best of three series. I want to say Indiana State is either, I think it's Arkansas or TCU. They will await the winner. I'm not 100% positive on if that would definitely be on the road. Um, I want to say Arkansas is the So how many go to Omaha? Team. Eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just eight. So um, do you remember last year? And I don't know, I probably obnoxiously brought it up a lot. Do you remember like Tennessee being the top college baseball team in yeah. the nation and Notre Dame beat them in a Super that. Regional? I remember that. So that was in Knoxville. That was your best of three series. And they were, Tennessee was thought two. to be like... Dynasty. Yeah, type. not yeah. only the number one team in the country, but like arguably the greatest college baseball team of all time. Right, right, right. right. So uh, India, it's double elimination um, in, in each of these rounds. So it's double elimination in the regional, then a clean slate. Double regional or double elimination in the super regional, clean slate. Then you go to Omaha, where it is also double elimination. So Indiana lost their first game last night. Kentucky already lost earlier in the regional. So we know Indiana State will be playing this coming weekend for a trip to go to Omaha. And the Hoosiers will try to join them so later today. I say if Indiana State advances, and I, I realize that I use in play here as well. And who else from the state? Ball State was eliminated. I knew that. So it, everybody has IU merchandise, right? I mean, like 
I think yesterday or two days ago, last time we did the show, I was wearing an IU t-shirt. Kevin, I think you've worn IU stuff. I've always felt like Indiana State, I know John went there, JMV, but I've always felt like Indiana State's kind of the, the school that like gets overlooked in the state. If Indiana State goes to Omaha, I'm buying, I will even drive to Terre Haute to do it. I'm buying Indiana State hats for all three of us. We will wear the hats on the air. I've got my Larry Legend hat. Does that, that count? That does kind of count. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm off the hook there. Mark, you want an Indiana State hat? Sure. All right, now, JMV's got to do a show from Omaha if they make it, right? For sure. I mean, alma mater in Omaha. It's kind yeah, of a, I mean, it's kind of one of those fringe sport bucket items. I, I think it'd be really cool to attend for sure. Um, just it, it, incredible to see the year Indiana State has had a really slow start and then has been on an absolute tear since Iowa, North Carolina, Wright State. That's who they took care of this weekend in Terre Haute. So, again, good Monday morning to you. Uh, Jake, Detroit action for yourself this weekend. It seemed like on Friday and Saturday, uh, drivers to say they were... Man. I think the overall opinion of the city of Detroit was probably how the drivers fe- felt about that street uh course right totally i so a lot of right hand turns very tight corners right hand turns and it looked like and keep in mind though like we're watching it on friday on friday we're watching practice and you're thinking this is gonna be a this is going to be a blank show like like worse than be, nashville last year they were saying. yes but the thing to keep in mind is it's the first time anybody's been on that track they can do simulators to get used to it but first time they've been on the track and it was super bumpy but once they kind of figured it out, I thought actually it was a pretty good race. Like it was pretty pretty decent racing. Alex Pillow's really good. When Alex Pillow gets a lead and gets out in front of cars, he, he can run away and hide. Um, so too narrow? Was that the complaint? It was very narrow. There were really only like two two passing areas, yeah. Um, but Will Power did a hell of a job to, to get himself up towards the front and, and be able to contend. So overall, I thought it was pretty decent. The, the one thing I will say about the Detroit race in IndyCar – they sold a huge thing of like paddock suites along the the very long straightaway that w- and then they they had a double sided pit road and that area it it had I hate to say this because you try not to but it had an F1 type look to it great th- the biggest thing was I think for Roger Penske what do you mean by that the F1 type look. Um, I'm picturing festive. Paolo Boncaro and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, festive, like the 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 canopied suites, double deckered all along that are packed with people, um, people hanging out of windows, waving. You know, just so is this a bad thing? Is this a... no, no, no? Good. I'm okay. saying like okay. a festive gotcha. atmosphere, like a, a sold out festive atmosphere, um, a party atmosphere. It, it looked like it was the place to be. You know, okay. the the aerials, the, the intention for any street course race and the allure of any city that decides to take on an event like that is you wanted to showcase your city it's why barber and the race down in alabama they they covet it so much because when else do people hear about birmingham alabama and roger penske who you know is from detroit it has been his hope and desire for a very long time to utilize auto racing to showcase the city of Detroit to try to overcome the stigma of it's this dilapidated, old, deteriorating, left-to-die town. And so I thought that that race, the aerials of it, where you could see the General Motors headquarters and the downtown area and Belle Isle Park and the water right there, I mean, it made the city look 
it showed off Detroit. And and the aerials were very good, and that's exactly what they wanted to do. You know, it's early June, but Alex Plow's borderline running away with this series for the season. You are correct. I mean, he has been, and again, by all accounts, he's moving teams next season. So, Errol McLaren, what he's done this year, we saw it last week at the 500. I mean, he was arguably the best car. Renus VK, of course, hit him in the pits, and that altered his day big time. But seven races this year, six top fives, two wins his lowest finish is eighth um, just a dominant dominant year so far for Alex Pillow the other I think big storyline from yesterday Jake when you talk about individuals uh, Pato War teetering on a little too crazy emotions getting the best yes. of him two things here number one with Pillow nothing to base this on other than just like eyebrow raise to your point Kevin I think what was a foregone conclusion that he is going to Arrow McLaren next year may not be so as much I think he might if he wins a championship with Chip Ganassi there's been for a long time in IndyCar it was always a challenge for someone to be the teammate of Scott Dixon not because Scott Dixon's a bad guy I don't mean that but I think the perception amongst drivers was that so many resources went into the nine car for Chip Ganassi racing and Dario Franchitti had great success, obviously, in the 10 car. But I think a lot of younger drivers felt like under, you know, they were intimidated by Dixon. It's probably the easiest way to say it. Dixon now clearly like starting to enter his twilight. I mean, just based on age alone. I think Polo may look at it and go, you know what? I've now won two championships with this team. And it's kind of shifting to where I'm the guy. However... Errol McLaren has the immediate accessible pathway to Formula One. So that would be the In allure. a deeper pocket, right? Yeah. I mean, certainly if they're using the F1 money for sure. But that would but but Chip can pay him a lot. I mean, no doubt. But I think that the allure of the that segueing into an F one ride would be why Polo if Polo goes to Errol McLaren at this point, to me it means it's because he has the eye on Formula One, which is totally understandable. Um but you are correct in the fact that, like, he 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 is off to a phenomenal start on the season, no doubt about it. Um, there was what, what was the other thing? You well, mentioned? again, Pato Ward. It's oh. like you know, pissed off teenager at great times, taking his anger out on his buddies. A yeah, little bit. I would agree that Award he is incredibly talented, but he is, and I don't think this is going to be the case. We talked about this yesterday, though. At some point, you have to make a choice whether you're going to be the guy that is that that's your deal, or that you learn how to reel it in a little bit before you become Thomas Schechter, who's a guy that like people loved and was excitable, but never finished races, and that's kind of where he is, right? I mean, was it Tim Sendrick last Monday with us, Schechter or Wreckers? Yeah, you know, it almost seems a little bit with Pato Ward this year. If you look at his finishes throughout the year, yesterday it was on the wreck side of it. So a whole lot of caution laps in the Detroit race yesterday. I think about a third of the race under caution, but Alex Pillow. Six career win, and I would say I probably speak for Jake in a much-needed week off for not only Jake but the IndyCar Series before they head up to Road America coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you guys have a good weekend. I guess Jake, you know, certainly busy from a radio standpoint, but good besides that. I'm trying to think of what I did. Yesterday was, uh, you guys hear the ads on this radio station for Love, Heating, and Air. Sure. They mm-hmm. uh, came out to the house, did an outstanding job at the Bowen household. Chris, Same here. Chris and John Love um, are twins. 
they're it's actually they're the fourth generation of that business but it was uh may 31st is their birthday but yesterday we celebrated their 50th birthday nice and it was super cool because we grew up the love's house was our our epicenter i mean we spent the night all the time i i can't even tell you how many nights in middle school in particular that we spent the night there played basketball in the driveway every day after school i mean that that was our place and their mom still lives there and so they had a 50th birthday party for the two of them knockout and horse that's right well so apparently Susie love their mom was talking about you know doing it at a restaurant or whatever else and their sister ellen was like mom you've got to do it at home because like all of these boys that was their this that was their place so it was great i mean we got together yesterday uh celebrated chris and john and then just sat around Eric Barrett and Chris West and bingo cards galore here. Rob Whitaker, Jim Burge. We just sat around telling old stories about when we were knuckleheads. It was great. Great Wait, fun. It's waiting for you to go ding, ding, ding on all those names early live on. Next well, I was Farkas. trying to keep track. I have to follow my bingo card. Yeah. Uh-huh. They live next Looking door to Farkas. Looking pretty good so, so far. You know, it's one of those fill the card times. Uh, Byron, no, so. Byron was a no-show, oh, by well, the way. Well, well. you still got to mention, though. <laughs> tension. Tension in the north-central friendship That's right. there. That's Mark, right. how many Indians games? Three? None. No, we oh, we went to... Il- sweep by the Indians, by the way, over at Toledo. We went to Illinois for the first time since Mother's Day weekend. Helping my parents out with some stuff and all that, so enjoyed some family and fun. Saw the cousins for my my daughters and stuff, and then put a grill together yesterday when I got in, back in town. So good for you. Yeah, it's a nice little Sunday. Mm-hmm. Which of the two of us spends fewer number of weekends in Indianapolis, me or you? That's <laughs> a you, I think. Ooh, I don't know, man. I've been back since since Mother's Day, so it's, it's been a while. Kev, what'd you do? Uh, I actually had you dialed up yesterday driving home. Uh, we were up. At uh, Maddie's family's lake house, they have a uh, lake house up in Leesburg, Indiana. You familiar at all with Leesburg? Where is Leesburg? Just a little northeast of Warsaw. Okay. Um, so yeah, we had a couple of Maddie's good friends come up there, and seven little kids in all. So it was certainly a lot of eyes on those kids. But they had a blast up there. I mean, Saturday was hotter than you know you know what. So it was great to get in the water a little bit and uh, have some fun up there. But yeah, we left probably gosh lap 15 20 and you guys signed off and 86 meridian for me it felt like a long race well the 30 cautions i mean there are 30 yellow laps yeah. um but again i i said to matt you know matty was sound asleep uh once we got probably once we hit westfield like i am so happy that that race just got me through this entire drive home <laughs> it's well, one of those like you know just two hours and like 20 minutes and you know you're like an hour off us 31 it's just not like the cleanest of drives so it was great to listen to you guys outstanding job per usual with your crew and like i said i'm sure you are very much looking forward to a weekend off. that's a fair statement yes a fair statement uh speaking of weekends uh we will certainly have a game next weekend in the nba finals we'll actually have a game a week from tonight that will be game five and the reason for that is we are tied up at one one jake you're just a game off in your heat prediction i'm telling you man you, you just can't you can't rule these guys out i mean it's they are the weed in the yard they are the weed in the yard that i thought i've killed 17 times undoubtedly and it's still there and, and i told you like it was Last night was such the typical Miami Heat win. I mean, I've watched a lot of Heat basketball, and I'm telling you, like, they they just kind of hang around, and then late third, they draw close. Early fourth, they get, like, a three- to five-point lead, 
and you think to yourself like okay i mean they got a little bump here but and then all of a sudden it's seven to nine point lead and then there's like three minutes to go, and it's an eleven to thirteen point lead, and you're like, "What in the world just happened?" Yeah, I was talking with one of the buddy or one of our um, friends' husbands who was up with us over the weekend, and you know, he he was a college basketball player, and both of us were just kind of like, "For Miami to get back into it, Butler's got to do heroic stuff." You know, he, Butler's got to have a forty-five point game or just something crazy. And last night, I mean, he had twenty-one points and nine assists. I don't want to act like it was a poor game, but it wasn't crazy, Jimmy Butler. And yet, the confidence those undrafted guys continue to have away from home in the finals. Max Struess couldn't throw it in the Colorado River in game one. He comes out. He really set the tone, I thought, in the first quarter when they built that early league. Denver's bench played great there into the second. Uh, But then Duncan Robinson in the fourth, Gabe Vincent all night long. Um, It's just, it's quite impressive to see these unheralded resumes, no matter the stage, no matter how ugly game one was for them, continue to bounce back, show that resiliency. Um, 17 threes for Miami last night. Saw they shot 68% in the fourth quarter. ESPN threw up a graphic. That was, I think it was the third best fourth quarter in NBA playoff history for any team. Um, Because they were down. I mean, if you watch the second and third quarter, hell, if you fell asleep in the third quarter, you probably thought, oh, Denver's got this. Uh, but Miami, terrific in the fourth quarter. Nikola Jokic had 41. Kind of an interesting stat. Denver is now 0-3 here in the postseason when Jokic scores over 40. That's the, isn't that bizarre? I mean, if you're, if you're Denver, are you worried about the fact that you got that kind of performance from him and still couldn't parlay that? Well, I thought Mark Jackson made a really good point in game one, and I think you could say the same thing last night. Denver is at its best when Jokic is facilitating first, scoring second. Because when he's facilitating, he obviously is finding guys for super high percentage looks. They are playing well. Naturally, the opponent's whatever, kind of sagging off him. And then when he needs to score, like he did in game one to close that game out, boom, he can do that for you. Uh, But Michael Porter Jr. really struggled for them last night. Uh, First home loss of the playoffs for Denver. Their first loss at home, I think, since late March. So, uh, 1-1. In that series, 111-108, Jamal Murray missed one. Lights tried forcing it to OT. A uh, little bit of a break as they travel now to South Beach. Game three will come on Wednesday night of that series. Did you see Eric Spolster after the game was asked? And I thought it was a pretty fair question. Um, hey, are you guys by design trying to turn Jokic into a scorer as opposed to a facilitator? And Spolster's like, he got... He was like offended by the question, but it's a pretty good question, right? Because I think that there's a lot of accuracy to that. I, with you let Jokic get his forty, then you know where the damage is coming. He only had four assists, he, and, and right. again, I mean, he had forty-one. But you know, this is a guy that we saw in Game One, whatever he had, twenty-seven and fourteen. I mean, I think Denver would like to kind of play through him more as a passer. Obviously, he's an incredibly gifted scorer as well, but. Um, yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's a question that's supposed to probably react to that because he doesn't want to give his honest answer. You ever see a tweet that you think to yourself, that is a brilliant observation, and then you get mad that you didn't make it. And then you look, and it's just some guy with like 50 followers. 17 numbers on his you know, Twitter name. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that. It was a writer of some sort, but a fairly modest account, but had a great tweet that just said... Um, Nikola Jokic, or I've heard his name said a couple of different times, by the way, but Jokic. 
colon, and then just said, Greg Ostertag, but Larry Bird. <laughs> he does look like Ostertag. And I'm like, that is perfect. I used that to is, love Ostertag. That is literally the best way to describe it. Yeah. Greg Ostertag, but Larry Bird. I thought it was kind of wild. Mike Breen said last night that Jokic's favorite player growing up was Tracy McGrady. I'm, I'm amazed how many people... I'm either old... Or I slept through the laugh, the latter half of the '90s. I, I never thought of Tracy McGrady as like in the same stratosphere as like Kobe Garnett. I think he had that brief run where it was at that level, like a little bit of Raptors, a little bit of Magic. It didn't last very long, but it it was really like, present. And, and what what Breen said last night, which I think kind of plays into it, is what's Tracy McGrady six eight, six nine, yeah, something like that. What impressed Jokic was a dude that tall that was that skilled. Okay, better career or better player, Tracy McGrady or Anthony Hardaway? Um, Probably Penny, but would you say more long? I don't know. I mean, I just think of McGrady. I, I feel I, like McGrady's stint was like four or five years. So was McGrady the Terrell Davis of the NBA? Yeah, but it's hard to... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go there. I mean, he didn't win a title. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, just like a guy that was a, a dynamic, holy cow player for, is okay, is McGrady the Michael Vick of the NBA? Yeah, that's probably a little bit better. Kind of a unique guy, obviously scored it at a absurdly high level there for a couple of years, mostly on, you know, poor teams, but, you know, it was kind of Vince Carter's sidekick, and then, you know, he goes to Orlando takes off and obviously things didn't work out you know Houston eventually kind of went south for him there but that was just a name I did not expect <laughs> Mike Breen to say uh when he said Jokic's favorite player was uh Tracy McGrady uh Trace Jackson Davis over at the Pacers facility today workout time you see he's working out with that dude from Arizona that dude from Arizona Sabonis like dude Tabellus Tabellus he kind of whipped um um, IU back in the uh, median Vegas. I found that ironic that that was the guy that will be among the handful of workout, whatever you want to call it, comrades, if you will, for Trace Jackson Davis today. Now, are they working out in tandem? Yeah, it's a group. It's uh, five or six yeah. of them. So, uh, yeah, not the solo workout like we saw with Cam Whitmore from Villanova last week, but Trace Jackson Davis, who I think has done a few Western Conference teams working out. Um, again, the draft's two weeks from Thursday. And I, you know, when you see him working out for the Pacers, you know, first off, you know, Trace Jackson Davis obviously is worthy of a workout. There's no questions asked there. You know, last week the Pacers kind of had that local flavor to their workout. You look at picks 26, 29, 32. Indiana holds all three of them. Isn't that squarely in Trace Jackson Davis' range? Yeah, I think Jackson Davis is on their radar. I, I don't know that I would say that he's on their uh, dartboard just yet, but I think he's on their radar. I think they're going to take a look at him. Are they done with Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith? Is that too harsh? Are they done with Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith? Because isn't that tra- like that sort the, of position? The answer is likely, or possibly yes, but both in, under contract in but. this capacity. Are they done with Isaiah Jackson 
and Jalen Smith. They may be done with the thought of that as a pair and and try to parlay or move on from one of those two. I don't know which it would be, quite honestly. I do feel like Jalen Smith kind of fell out of rotation. And, you know, Isaiah Jackson, I think j- just his... Hell, Isaiah Jackson's probably younger than Trace Jackson Davis. That's it. I mean, Isaiah Jackson's athleticism plus age, I, I do think that they are... They are still very intrigued by me. I mean, he does do unique things. He's like Tracy McGrady, not not literally, but I'm saying, and the fact that you look at him and you go, he just does things at that size that we're not used to. So many positives to the Pacers this last season. So many. If you're gonna throw out a negative individually, it's those two, and that well, neither Smith, of them right. took a step forward. You were That's hoping, um, no, but neither think, one sees that position, right? Right, and I just think life behind Miles Turner is a little bit up in the air. You know, Daniel Tice is still under contract. What's kind of his? You know, he pretty much they they kind of sat him towards the end of the season. Um, so yeah, Trish Jackson Davis working out today for the Pacers. Uh, blinds are closed. That means it's a glorious day. That's right. Absolutely beautiful here in Indianapolis. Joel A. Erickson going to join us coming up at 8.30. Uh, was out at the Colts Complex on Friday to get the second look at them this spring. It was Gardner Minshew taking the starting reps uh, for the Colts. They will also have, I would say, a pretty big twist to training camp this year. We'll explain more on that here coming up a little bit later in the show. And... Will we see a free agent whiteout join the Colts? A former first-round pick join the Colts. We'll explain that coming up a little bit later as well. Good Monday morning to you. Hope you have a good start to this week. It is Kevin Inquiry right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 1-1 in the NBA Finals. Last night, the Miami Heat. Uh, great start and great finish to the game for the Heat. Their undrafted dudes were terrific. Jimmy Butler, pretty solid as well. 111-108 winners, and it sounded like this, giving Denver their first home playoff loss. Outside Martin, back up top, Butler. Butler, a three-pointer. Off the side of the rim, Brown the rebound. Should the Heat foul here? I'm taking a foul, not allowing them to get off a three. Denver does have a timeout, but they're not using it. Four seconds. Murray, step back. Three-pointer. One go. Fight for the rebound. Martin. And it's over. The Miami Heat have tied the NBA Finals. What a comeback here on the road for the Heat. And it's one apiece. Thing is, Murray got a good look. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing like that road silence you're able to create there. You haven't heard it all playoff long. Uh, 1-1, game three coming up. Wednesday night in Miami. Again, it is a 2-2-1-1-1 format. So just two games in Miami before back to Denver, and we will at least have a Game 5 in the series. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday. Pirates over the Cardinals 2-1. It was the Brew Crew over Cincinnati 5-1. Cubs did get a win. They beat the Padres 7-1. Braves over Marks Diamondbacks 8-5 in our battle for PBR. Uh, looking to see where the athletics were yesterday. Did oh, they play? You can Boy, venture to shocking. guess what they did. Shocking that you're looking for them. <laughs> Seems like a waste of time. Uh, cute fella over the Giants, 8-3. Just continue to flap away from those. I know. Backs, don't they? I'm more mad. Usually, like, 
I'll check scores now, and I'm not as mad about the Cubs losing as I am when the Diamondbacks lose and the Orioles win. I'm like, come on! Let's go here! <laughs> White really Sox over six the Tigers, 6-2. Yeah, the, well, hey. And the Indianapolis Indians, 7-0 over Melito, uh, the Toledo Mudhens. One run for every beer bat Mark Dykton's had out there, right? Oh, man, I need a beer bat. How about this? Perfect weather this week with the Storm Chasers coming in town. Well, that yeah. must disappoint them for victory field. Uh, speaking of, what are we doing here? <laughs> speaking of baseball, shout out to the Fighting JMVers or the Fighting Brad Bones, uh, product of Indiana State. That'd be my father. Uh, Indiana State moving on. They win their regional. Um, some high scoring games. They beat Iowa last night to advance out of the Terre Haute Regional. So they will await the winner of TCU and Arkansas. If they win that, which will be a best two out of three series, then they punch their ticket to Omaha for the first time since 1986. And Jake, tonight, the Indiana Hoosiers will have their opportunity. They actually had an opportunity last night to do it. Uh, Kentucky drilled them, though, 16-6. to That was a must-win game for the Wildcats there. So uh, one more night in the dorms. In Lexington. And for Indiana State, it has to do with what happens around them in terms of where they go next, right? Yeah, so either TCU or Arkansas. Um, Arkansas is the better-seeded team, so they would go to Fayetteville, I think, for that one. For Indiana, again, it's a 6 o'clock first pitch tonight from Lexington. If they were to advance, uh, I believe it's LSU and Oregon State. Oregon State, I feel like they've always been good at baseball in like the last they 15 are. years. I like the I like the beeves, man. I like Corvallis. I've been there, baby. Uh, yesterday in Detroit, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix winner Alex Pillow over Will Power and Felix Rosenquist, finishing in third. Kind of, I wouldn't say a crash fest by any stretch of the imagination, um, but definitely some cautions. And Romain Grosjean was probably the one person who was most victimized by it. That looks back and beats himself up because he was running up towards the front and then simply lost it and was How very about Graham Rahal wrecking on a caution lap? Yeah, Rahal's steering went out, it looked like, and then Benjamin Peterson came up and all of a sudden just... I felt sorry for him and said, I'll just join the party. Yeah, just re- rear-ended him. Um, give me a number... Well, we'll do this for NASCAR. Uh, Kyle Busch, the winner of NASCAR, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano ran out the top three. A 21. Uh, number 21 for Kevin Bowen. You have won a lifetime supply, courtesy of Corey LaJoy, of Napa Auto Parts. Oh, perfect. That's good. Mark? Yeah. 11. Number 11 for Mark. That is Christopher Bell. You've won a lifetime supply of DeWalt Construction Technology. All right. Yeah. Didn't uh, Alexander Rossi used to be a Napa? He was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, for me? 22. Number 22 for me. Uh, Ross Chastain. I've won. Oh, Moose Fraternity. The Moose Fraternity. Sounds right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what, a hair product? What exactly is Moose Fraternity? Do Let's we find out. Can you look that up, Mark? Is it, I mean, is it M-O-O-S-E? Yeah, yeah. Some major parties there? What What do we do on this uh, program, Mark? We educate and entertain. Yeah, does this, do I get to wear the little moose hat and then go to the lodge? Do I get to hang out at the lodge? They, I guarantee they drink PBR at the Moose Fraternity Lodge, right? I mean, yeah, the first thing that pops up is a loyal order, order of moose yeah. in Beach Grove. Yeah. That can't be it. That's it. No, that's it. That's it? Yeah. So you're a member of Beach Grove's Moose Club? Isn't, there the, isn't there the Antelope Club up here on Delaware? I think Mike Chappell the actually rivals. just got uh, re-elected for his third term <laughs> of the president down there in Beach That's Grove. Right. Oh, here it is. Uh, it's a it's a it's a or, it's a charity organization. Yeah. It looks like the International Organization of Men and Women dedicated to caring for young and old, bringing communities closer together, and celebrating life. Well, that that, that absolutely that. typifies me. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mike Chappell, for your service on that end. That's right. Um, the fever, I think, had an entertaining loss, if we were going to describe it. 
in that manner. Uh, they lost the Aces yesterday. Very uh, close game. That's a defending champ. The Aces at home. 84-80 as the Fever. I think 1-3 now on the season. All right, Joel Erickson going to join us here in about an hour. I hate to tell you they're 1-4. 1-4 now? Yeah. Uh, on the other side... This break are the Colts pursuing a free agent wideout. We'll chat about that. Again, they're open. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. TA session over the weekend. Uh, I guess that was Friday afternoon. Uh, Gardner Minshew taking a whole lot of starting reps. What does that mean? We'll explain more on the other side. Kevin Acquire here, 93.5107.5, The Fan. 17 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on a Monday. Good morning to you. Good looking start to the day. My name is Jay Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton manning controls for us as we talk about the Colts and their OTAs and whether or not it's going to be Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew that is under center week one. That's There's a ton that goes in between now and then. But question is, Kevin, is it possible that Chris Ballard is working his Rolodex to find another target for whoever it is that is going to be under center to throw to? You know, we talked last week, Jake, about how June 1st can be a, a date and a time where all of a sudden you see a few veteran, veteran signings around the NFL. The Colts made one last week. Um, at defensive end, and then Adam Schefter had this on Friday afternoon that the Colts worked out free agent wideout Burchard Perriman and are in discussions with him about signing there. So nothing yet since that tweet out on Friday afternoon. Obviously, anytime a guy of Adam Schefter's uh, notoriety tweets something like that, um, you certainly take note of it. Um you know, Perriman is a guy that is a former first-round pick, and I have long said you always look into kick the tires on former first-round picks. The thing about him, at age 29 now, uh, he has never sniffed first-round pick production whatsoever. Frankly, he hasn't even sniffed second, third, arguably fourth-round production. Uh, 36 catches is the most he's ever had in a season. Bounced around to a handful of teams. Probably his best attribute has been... As a big play wideout, he, he has averaged 16 yards per catch in his career, which is a pretty good number. Uh, but more than anything to me, Jake, adding a veteran pass catcher, sure, something I can get behind. But when you look at like his resume, again, at the age of 29, to me it's June scraps. When you wait until June, this is pretty much what the market looks like. Definitely made me think, and I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, wideouts. <laughs> it's, it's the laughter, right? It's the... <laughs> haunted house, Westfield haunted house he could star in. After a while, don't you look at a guy, and I do get that, Sometimes you just need bodies, maybe. 
How many teams would you like to guess are on the resume, Kevin? Uh, it's at least five, right? Five or six. Name them. Ooh, boy, Jets, Ravens, Bucks, Chargers. No Chargers. No. Jets, Ravens, Bucks. Did he play for the Bears? I didn't think he did. Bears, not one of them. Ravens, Browns, Bucks, Browns Jets, back to the Bucks. Every you would have to assume all of those, excluding obviously Baltimore. You know, it was thought of, hey, this is the play. Maybe we can reinvent it a little bit here. Let's see what we have. And then, yeah, first round pick out of Central Florida in 2015. Yeah. But Jake, it's not like any of those stops he had a 55 catch, 820 right. yard season. Like it, none of it has again sniffed the first round s- sort. of of potential. Um, but, you know, when you look at the Colts' wideout room, I mean, I guess Isaiah McKenzie is the most veteran of the group. Michael Pittman, who was sitting out Friday due to a hip injury, um, you know, he would be the most tenured Colt of the wideout group. So it is a pretty youthful room outside of Isaiah McKenzie. Um, you know, Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, who's been a little banged up as well, Ashton Doolin. Um, I mean, that's probably what you're looking at from a wideout standpoint. Um, I think one disappointing aspect of this OTA has been, you know, Pittman was out for the birth of his child a couple weeks ago, out with a hip injury this week. The tight end group, no Jelani Woods. He's been banged up. The rookie, Will Mallory, out of Miami. Uh, as well, Drew Ogletree, who was kind of a darling of training camp last year before he tore his ACL. He obviously is still rehabbing that. So from a pass-catching standpoint, whether it's Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson, it's been a bit quiet there. Uh, Jake, when we were out there on Friday, Gardner Minshew took all the starting reps. You make anything of that? No. Different from how we I, I, saw I think, it the first week. I think that may week. be the case for quite a while. Um, but let me ask you this. The first because- week we saw a split. The second week we saw... Minshew take everyone asked me this so I'm going to ask you because you were there I was not how did Anthony Richardson look I thought he had a nice day um again I was just selfishly probably more than anything a little disappointed we didn't get to see him in starting reps we're only able to go out there one day a week right now uh, this week it'll be Wednesday. Next week we do get to watch the entire mini camp to conclude the offseason program. So, you know, there could easily be other practices where Richardson's taking more of the starting reps. Um, Anthony had a really nice two minute drill to end practice. You know, pretty efficient, quick rhythm, got his team in field goal range. I think the backup kicker actually shanked one, but um, that was the best session from him. Um, outside of that, though, it was pretty nondescript. It is amazing, though, Jake. Like, I was sitting there on the sideline, and you're we are only allowed to film, take pictures of, like, a small period to start practice. And it got to the point where I knew that period was about to come to an end, and I hadn't, like, posted anything Richardson-related. I'm like, oh, I should probably post something on Richardson just right. to, like, you know, give people a little idea of, like, hey, I'm actually, you know, here, and here's a glimpse of Anthony Richardson. So they were doing this little like scramble drill where you're you're kind of doing like high knees over some pads and and, and you know an assistant's flushing you out of the pocket and you got to throw on the run and they have a net set up with a little bit of a window in the net and you got to throw on the run and the goal is to try and get it in that window. So Richardson goes through the drill, rolls to his right, which 
I seem to remember when we had his quarterbacks coach, Will Hewlett, on after the draft, he did say kind of rolling to his right was something that they were working on and making throws. Throws a great ball right in the window. Gardner Minshew goes nuts. Richardson goes nuts. Uh, Quarterbacks are celebrating. And tweeting out that video and seeing how it – and it literally was the only video that I took all practice. Like, he did it to the left side the next time and missed the window. I just – it happened to be the one time that I filmed him. It is wild how much the Anthony Richardson content just blows up. People are obsessed, enamored with it. They can't get enough of it. It's – it's unlike anything I've seen with with a Colts quarterback in years. And obviously the early Andrew Luck years, Twitter was still kind of in its infancy. But people are... Like, the reaction, Jake, in this market, if they would have taken Will Levis versus Anthony Richardson, it seems like those are at two ends of the spectrum. I, I think it's... Well, I think part of it is because he is literally the shiny new toy. Because we we have not seen enough body of work of him. But wouldn't in Levis college. be the shiny new toy? But no, because the shine wore off of him in college. I don't mean because of what I'm saying is Richardson. There are people at the University of Florida that are still intrigued by Richardson because we just didn't see enough of them. So it's more of the unknown. Correct. Correct. It's the the high risk. High reward, you know what I mean? But yes, it's the fact that I think people just are, everyone is intrigued by this. I I mean, let's face it, he's, in terms of a quarterback, he is a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. He's bigger than what we're used to seeing. He's He's a created player on a video game. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I I thought, again, I'll note every time I'm out there how the quarterback reps are split up because it's my job and... Um, you know, obviously, we'll provide context on it from then. I, I did think it was interesting that Minshew split the reps with Richardson the previous week, and then um, he took all of them on Friday. We'll see how that plays out the rest of the spring. Um, I'm also interested to see, you know, at what point in camp do you feel like you need to decide? All right, one guy's going to get the bulk, and he's going to get the bulk for three or four straight days. And if he, you know, whatever excels in those periods, we're going to continue to have him be quarterback one Uh, we have not seen a training camp schedule announced just yet but the Colts will do something differently under Shane Sykin than they've previously done they are going to have two separate joint practice sessions so we knew about the one with the Bears Um, the Bears play the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium on August 19th that's a Saturday night week two of the preseason remember there's only three preseason games now moving forward so typically, what the Colts have done is they then host that team for joint practices at Grand Park the Wednesday and Thursday before a Saturday game. So again, no camp schedule announced yet. If I were guessing, I would pencil in August 16th and 17th for those that would like to see that as the joint practices for the Bears. The next week... The Colts play on August 24th, which is a Thursday. That is in Philadelphia. That is their final preseason game. Shane Sykin's taking the boys to Philly early. Uh, I don't know if the Liberty Bell Tour will be on the docket, but they will have a joint practice on the road August 22nd with the Eagles. Certainly plenty of familiarity with the Bears and Matt Eberflus and obviously Shane Steichen and the Eagles, so it makes sense. You play them that Thursday night. That checks the box. I am a bit curious, Jake, when the training camp schedule gets announced, 
you know, last year, I want to say it extended to like August 25th, 26th. Like they had some practices pretty late into the month. If you're going to Philly on August 21st, I guess it would be, they might end camp a little bit earlier this year. So I know some people enjoy going out there. It's free. I think it's a great time. It's great access. You you sit very close. Catch it while um, you can. Yeah. I, I Again, I don't know that for sure, but they certainly will be gone for a chunk of August there in the mid to late parts. So with kids going back to school seemingly earlier every year, uh, late July, early August, I think are your opportunities to catch the Colts. Let me run past for you a few numbers, and you tell me if you'd take this. This is two same quarterback, two seasons. You ready? A completion percentage of 58.7, and then the next year a completion percentage of 56.5. 29 total touchdowns, 23 interceptions. <clears throat> a quarterback rating of a 70.4 the first year and 80.1 the second year. Both seasons, 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, would you say that that's for a young quarterback about what you would hope for when a quarterback is first getting groomed, if you will? I think individually you'd hope for a little bit more. My guess is, and I could be wrong, are those Josh Allen's numbers? Those are the those are years three and four of Steve McNair. Oh, wow. You're going way back. And I think McNair is similar to Anthony Richardson, not because they are both black quarterbacks. I understand that there's a natural probably unfair bias that takes place either either side i mean in sports with we tend to rate players sometimes just based on who they look like but mcnair i think was an equally intriguing player because when he came in it was like well he's super durable i've never seen a guy that can run and throw like him he's built like you know i mean he's just this big strong guy and yet and they were patient with him I mean, the Oilers slash Titans were patient with McNair, and eventually, obviously, he developed into an MVP-level player and a great player in the NFL. But it took time. did not happen overnight. And I think with Richardson, there's a little bit of a danger that people are expecting to plug him in and immediately have him be. And, and that's a lot of that is, 25 years later, the way quarterbacks are thought to be able to produce right away as opposed to back then when literally, if you look at it, they gave him four years to get on track did the Colts have four years to wait on Richardson this is a day where in an age where we expect four games for a quarterback to be going yeah I mean you don't draft them if you aren't going to be willing to practice a little bit of patience and also commit to him to grow and I think teams are afraid of committing to young quarterbacks knowing that it could look ugly and I'll give Mark's Bears credit they have committed to playing Justin Fields when they know there's going to be some major growing pains on the field and I will say this a lot between now and September, whatever the first game is, 10th, 11th, 12th. This season for me ain't about 8 and 9 or 7 and 10, whatever. It is all about Richardson's development. It's the Pacers of last year. No one cares about 35 wins for the Pacers. They care that Halliburton became an all star and Benedict Matherin looks like he can play in the NBA. And Miles Turner, I guess you got an answer there. So three bonuses on that end. This season for the Colts, all about Richardson. And you've got to make sure that you commit to his on-field development. And for me, that means playing him. And when that happens, how that happens, we'll continue to monitor. But again, as of Friday, it's just one day, Gardner Minshew taking the reps. Uh, a couple of injury notes, still no Shaquille Leonard. I'm not expecting him till the start of camp. I don't look at it as like DEFCON. 
I look at it as this is kind of one final chance and give him six more weeks of rest instead of rushing him like they did last year. So it's a huge storyline. We'll obviously monitor it at Grand Park. Uh, and Jake, your your favorite guy, Rigo, Rigoberto Sanchez, coming back from the Achilles. I'm doing some punting. Heck yeah. Still not I'm telling you. Full go on that in. I like I like Rigoberto Sanchez. I like him a lot. Have you already penciled him in on your top 10 indispensable Colts of 2023? Right. I'm saying for this year, is he going to make the list again? Eh, we'll have to wait till the roster is complete. Okay. okay. Man towards Achilles running sprints. It's never, never an ideal thing. Well, you know, listen, strange things happen when you least expect. How many times do you see a wide receiver just go out to the lineup with nobody around him, boom, fall over? Come on now. Uh, possibly Zaire Franklin going to join us on the show tomorrow, so we'll keep you posted on a time on that. And Joel A. Erickson going to join us coming up at 830 uh, quite the name for the Pacers working out today from a local angle. We'll chat about that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen, Jake Corey, Mark Dykton here on a beautiful. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Monday. So, Kevin, the Pacers have how many picks coming up in the draft? They have 17 picks, right? <laughs> They've got five. Four in the first 32. Seven, 26, 29, and 32. And for Trace Jackson Davis, in his workout today, that 26, 29, 32 range seems to be right around where he's been mentioned most, right? Yeah, I, I think that's... I think he's intriguing to them. Um. Is the question more of do they actually pick in that area? Or how many of those three picks do they make in that area? I don't want to see them make many of them. I'm more in the high-end quality over quantity. Here's the conundrum with Trace Jackson Davis. I'm going to go back to something I mentioned to you oh, a long time ago. But I was a huge IU basketball fan. And I loved Steve Alford. I had a paper route. I was an I was an honor carrier. Thank you very much for the Indianapolis News. And Don Bell was one of the guys on my paper route. Make sure that's on the LinkedIn when you update that next. <laughs> that's right. And I still have the bag, by the way, the newspaper bag. Carried the papers in. Um, and I remember Don Bell was a Purdue fan. And I said to him, so did you read the article yesterday about Steve Alford? And he said, no. And I said, Steve Alford is getting ready for the NBA draft. He's going to be a first-round pick, and he's shooting 500 free throws a day. And Don Bell said, he's like a 94% free throw shooter. Why doesn't he practice other stuff? I remember thinking, like, that's actually a pretty good point. Because it's not his free throw shooting that is the question mark as to whether or not he can play in the NBA. It's, you know, in Trace Jackson Davis's case, I totally understand the fact that he's been shooting three-pointers to show that he can shoot from the outside. And that is, in particular, an area that is thought of. It's like, hey, man, I know that you're a 6'9 guy, but in the NBA level, 6'9 means you got to be able to stretch and shoot the, you know, shoot the ball and stretch the floor. And he wants to be able to show he can do that. I think if there's something that holds him back or offsets that, it is still the fact, Kevin, that Jackson Davis's lateral quickness is still going to be seen by teams as a defensive liability because if he is at six foot nine, and I do think that situationally 
he can be a really good player in the NBA, and I do think that somewhere around late 20s, early 30s is is where he probably slots. And I, I think he could be a very good NBA player situationally. I don't I don't see him being like a Bam Adebayo. Yeah, is he Jeff Jeff Green and Cody Zeller if we're watching the NBA Finals? Yeah, I think he's. Or you know, I mean, Cody Zeller's turned into Birdman. Yeah, I I think the here's the thing: who does he guard? I I don't. I think laterally, Jake, I think he can be okay. Again, I mean, he's 6'9". I don't think he has the lateral first-step quickness, though, to stop anybody from driving around him yeah, on but, the wing. But when he's on the floor, he's probably going to be his team's biggest or second-biggest player. So th- you would like to think he's not guarding Benedict Matherin. But what I'm saying is, in that in that capacity, if that's the case, I don't disagree with you. But like, can he guard Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith? That's who he's going up against. Can he guard Daniel Tice? But if he's playing those guys in his role in those minutes on the floor as being the biggest guy on the floor, then his ability to shoot threes is irrelevant. Well, I don't think it's irrelevant. I think it would be nice to have because, I mean, Jalen Smith has proven more than Isaiah Jackson that he can hit an open three, and I think that is a nice luxury to have. Um, again, I don't think it's an absolute must for him to find this 37% three-point shot. If he wants to play for a decade in the NBA, that would be very beneficial, certainly. But again, I don't think it's an outright must. Um, I think he can definitely be an eighth or ninth guy for a team. I think a lot of it depends on kind of how you view you know, where you're drafting and, and him. You know, th- th- That cutoff from end of the first round to early second – that's a lot of different mindsets from teams. And I know a lot of second-round picks get traded nowadays anyways. But, you know, late first round, those teams are thinking, hey, we just need one more piece. Now, and, you know, look at Denver last year. You know, Christian Brown is now playing, you know, pretty good minutes for them as that, you know, rookie kind of eighth guy versus you get into the early second round. And if you've got a team that's picking in the top five of the first round, they're looking at it as a much longer process. So they might say, oh, 20 Three-year-old, I have no idea how old he is. Twenty-three-year-old Trace Jackson Davis. No, let's let's take a flyer. Let's try and find the next Jokic. Let's try and take some right. second rounder that you know has a huge boomer bust potential. Okay, I am looking before me here at four mock drafts. I will allow you and Kevin to confer amongst one another to tell me which one you want me to open. That would be. Did he call you, Kevin? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you and Mark. Sure did. I was looking at Mark when I said it. Uh, Bleacher Report, Sports Skeeta. CBS Sports and the Rookie Wire. You guys would like me to open which one? Sports ski. This sounds a little risky. Yeah, I mean, I, click I, on I would, that one at your own risk. I, I, I don't want to be associated with you when you click okay. on that link. Okay, uh, stay clear of that one. So we have Bleacher Report, CBS Sports, and the Rookie Wire. Let's go with CBS Sports. Sure, CBS Sports. This is the 2023 NBA mock draft um, latest update. This is updated on June 3rd, so that's like two days ago, right? Mm-hmm. This particular draft. With the seventh pick in the 2023 NBA CBS Sports Mock Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Jerace Walker from the University of Houston. But in terms of scrolling down, the guy, Jalen Hood Shafino seems to be like the biggest lock somewhere between 14 and 16. They have him going 14th to. New Orleans. 16 to Utah is the other place where you constantly 
see his name. I saw um, an ESPN mock had him going nine, which was easily the highest I've seen. This does not have um, Trace Jackson Davis going in the first round. Now, you've got to go to the Bleacher Report to get to the second round. And when you do that, and they have Jalen, they have the Pacers, by the way, talking about Bleacher Report, also taking Walker out of Houston. Would you be happy with that? Yes, I would. I, I think he's a good fit. I, I know some people are worried he maybe doesn't have as high of an offensive ceiling, but I think for what the Pacers need, he is exactly that type of kind of four guy that can guard a lot, rebound. Um, yes. Hood Shafino, they have 16. Which again, that's right around the the range in which you said you saw him as high as nine. Yeah, ESPN had him a nine okay. last week. With the thirty eighth pick in the two thousand twenty three NBA mock draft from Bleacher Report, the Sacramento Kings via the Indiana Pacers original pick select Trace Jackson Davis from the University of Indiana. Even more ties. That's right to the state for that Kings team. That's, that that would be a but I would think somewhere around there like yeah and Trey Lyles is a free agent you know I, I I know stylistically they aren't necessarily the same player but height wise they'd be playing pretty similar similar positions uh, shout out to Frank Vogel how about that man I mm-hmm. I would think judging by this hire Frank Vogel has created a reputation around the league that stars love to play for him fourth stop for him is that right. Orlando, Indiana, L.A., and Phoenix? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it ended a little bit early in L.A., so maybe just whatever. Over time, they decided enough was enough. But, like, I think LeBron has spoken pretty highly of Frank Vogel. And clearly, if you're Matt Ishbia and you're the new owner of Phoenix, I would think you would have some conversation with Kevin Durant and or Devin Booker about what you've heard from some of these coaching candidates. Um. So, yeah, good for Vogel on that. Do you know um, Frank Vogel's introduction to the general public via the game of basketball, his very first? No, I I, I don't Uh think I do. When Frank Vogel was like, I'm going to guess he was 13, uh, he appeared on David Letterman's Stupid Human Tricks. Really? He looked like Ralph Macchio in The Karate Kid. He came out and like walked on the, (laughs) like kind of on the balls of his feet, like tippy-toed. Uh, and he came out, and Letterman's like, Frank Vogel from, he was either from New Jersey or Connecticut. Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania, somewhere out east. He's like, now what do you do? And he he managed to spin a basketball on the edge of his toothbrush while brushing his teeth. Yes. Yes. Nothing screams future NBA head coach like that. <laughs> I don't know Frank Vogel at all. Jake, I, it seems like a guy I'd like to have a beer with. Yeah, I think a nice guy, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, in the... Okay, in the annals of Pacer head coaches, Larry Bird is a numero uno number one. That's off the board. Coaches that you'd most want to sit down and have a beer with. Oh, Slick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, I've, I have. Come on now, baby. Talk with Slick, necessarily not, not not over beer, but I used to work at the golf course that Slick would play at, and he'd just hang out after the round, and he was terrific with it. Oh, my gosh, I feel like he would stay till sundown. He was awesome. Yeah, yes. easily on that end. They've had a they've had a fair share actually. Like Carlisle would be interesting, but there'd be some moments I'd be like, dude, I just graduated with a normal degree in college. I, I'm not as brilliant as anywhere brilliant as you are. I feel like he would he'd be too technical for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I 
Carlisle's an interesting mind for certain. Um, Will you explain the University of Indiana thing? I think a few people every time that you say that, they're a little bit like, wait, what? Did he really say that? It, it, literally, it's like the joke that goes over the head of a lot of people. Uh, David Stern, for whatever reason, every time David Stern would, and there weren't a lot of them, but you know, Brian Evans, Calvert Cheney, Alan Henderson, I think probably he didn't, he wouldn't have done Isaiah, I don't think. But anytime an Indiana player was drafted, David Stern, for whatever reason, always said the University of Indiana. It drove me absolutely bonkers. Again, among the group working out today with Trey Jackson Davis, I feel like I butcher his last name. Um, Tabellus, I believe, is the kid from Arizona. Um, if you guys remember that Indiana-Arizona game from earlier in the year out in Vegas, uh, Trace, by all accounts, was dealing with the back injury at that time. Really struggled against him. Uh, Twenty-one and eleven is what Tabellus had, or t- yeah, twenty-one points. Trace just had eleven and five and fouled out in that game. Um, so, from a workout standpoint, those two going at it uh, could be interesting. So, we'll see what happens two weeks, two and a half weeks away. Isn't that crazy? Uh, Frank Vogel. Frank, where are you? <laughs> Hi, Frank. Nice to have you here. How's he look, Mark? You're going to oh, knock every tooth out of your head doing this. He's got, like, every, like kid his age's haircut which is like parted totally. in the middle he looks like, like ralph macchio and karate kid yeah. right uh-huh good for vogel yeah I, I mean phoenix i get that obviously there's a lot there that he's gonna have to figure out but certainly there's a lot to work with phoenix the monty williams situation is unique and like what happened there it just and seems like everyone has gone with the larry bird approach of like after three or four years the voice yeah. gets tired he's gonna have to I, I think the real trick for Phoenix is to get DeAndre Ayton to in, to be totally in night in and night out, right? Because it just seems like that is a guy that seems to take plays and at times quarters and maybe even games off. Now, I think does Phoenix still have Bismack Biombo? If they didn't, they're they're going to lose a fan in you. I would have figured you'd be all over that. He's you, didn't, my, you didn't wait for him after the game this year in Indy? He's my favorite player in the league. You know why, Mark? His name is Bismack Biyombo. <laughs> that is correct. Because his name is Bismack Former Biyombo. top 10 pick, right? Yes. He's Safe a, to say he did not live up to that. Congolese wonder. He's That was back like when the trend... You remember that? There was one year in the draft where literally every single player, like every other player, was you know some 19-year-old player from... Different player, you know, all they had was a Zapruder film of them playing with a voice. All right, Fran Fraschilla back church. in to break down the international. <laughs> He's two years away from being two years away. That's well, right. That's off. That's we buy a, season tickets. Tomorrow. We have a sweet VHS tape, and as soon as we find a VCR around here, we'll show you exactly what he looks like. That's there was a trend of that for a long time, and it was it made watching the draft a lot less enjoyable. There's no doubt about it. All right, we're gonna get this IU Kentucky game on like. Somewhat mainstream TV tonight, or are we going to have to venture somewhere else to find it? What would it be on ESPN? Is ESPN doing the the? Yeah, but you right know, now? are we going to have to go on ESPN Plus? Are we going to get SEC Network? Are we on ESPN Two? Don't you think IU Kentucky would be a decent TV draw, even baseball? I mean, I know it's not. Yeah, I think I think some fans would be like, "Oh, we're playing Kentucky tonight." <laughs> I'll I'll tell you here shortly where it airs. You ready? They were SEC Network when they beat them the other night. They were ESPN Plus last night. Uh, it says ESPN Plus again. That's what it looks like. 
six o'clock first pitch from Lexington on that end. You guys see the um, what's the IU second baseman who got suspended because yeah, he broke out a prop on the field, right? Because he brought the prop on the field. I mean, come on. I'm rules looking, are rules, man. What are we doing? Can we not rules get, are rules. Can we not get a warning? Rules are rules. Baseball just oh pisses me off sometimes, and obviously the athletics contribute. Well, half these guys that are playing though, you know, they is there anything more tired? Anything more tired? Let me tell you something. I'm not saying any names, but it, it does kind of make me. I don't have kids, so maybe I'm not qualified. But I do see a lot of parents from a, and it seems to be more evident in baseball than other sports. Basketball is the king of it, but first off, when did when did they start giving out rings for like eight year old baseball teams? Have you seen this new trend? This this craze? I, I have not. No, like I just remember getting a trophy. Great, nice season, Kevin. Like unbelievable tournament for little Johnny's pips team they won the such and such and all the all these like little seven-year-old future brats that that are eventually going to grow up to steal handicap spots and not return their grocery card at the grocery store seems they're rather all, harsh to they're all standing there like future brats. with their fists like holding it out with these big huge like fake rings on you know and they've all got on eye black and they've all got and they all suck these kids all suck like the parents think that they're like the next don mattingly and they go out there and they're actually more like i mean they're just they suck but they have the eye black and they've got like the the stirrups pulled all the way up and like the a, a chain around and then you're like wait a minute they're they're what seven. do you think people think of your student id picture at kansas a hundred percent no question and guess what you know what happened at kansas what all of a sudden, I'm 50 at the Glendale Library taking a tutor for nine hours to learn basic algebra. So, yes, there probably is a lesson to be learned. Thanks for illustrating that point perfectly. Sounds like you need to be like a guest speaker at these like practices. Don't be like me. What I need to say to these kids is, kids, let me inform you of something, and I hate to be the one to break this bad Didn't news Didn't we put that picture you. up, the night in the fan cave? You know what 90% of yeah. professional sports athletes have in common? They're the sons of professional sports athletes. Sorry, but... You're look up in the crowd there, and hey, maybe one of them was Max Clark back in the day, Franklin. Now he's a top five pick. <laughs> I'm just saying things that grind Jake Query's gears. Uh, Little League Baseball and attendance numbers at the NFL draft. I got They're news. They're all going to be brats. Was quite the statement. I yeah. got I got news for you. Okay, people that are listening, I am all for. Sp- Last night, as I mentioned, I, I mean, I got together at Chris and John Love's house for their 50th birthday with the guys that I grew up with, and we had such a good time. I, I get it. I mean, I'm being a little facetious. But the one thing that I would beg people to be super cautious of, I understand that you as a parent, it is important and you want to give your kid the best opportunity to be competitive or to be good at something or to chase their dreams and passions. But when it comes to youth sports, there is a dangerously thin line of fathers who are not allowing their kids to chase their dreams and passions, but rather forcing their kids to relive their failed ones. And if you have your sub 10 year old kid in the middle of January, in a batting cage indoors while you're videotaping it and then like breaking down analysis on the trajectory of their elbow during their swing, the odds are really high that by the time your kid's in eighth grade, he's going to look at you and go, look, man, I'm not near as good at this game as you think I am, and I don't like it near as much as you want me to, and I'm going to go play something different. I'm just telling you. 
I've seen it a, a billion times. I know that's a harsh reality for people, but it's a reality nonetheless. I think there's probably 95 to 98% of parents that are not doing that, to be fair. Yeah, I, I think that's... I mean, it's like watching the fight at the AAU basketball game between the ref and the parent and not acknowledging the thousand other games that were played at that gym where all the parents behaved. But, Kevin, it's... Like, people, I think, nowadays just assume every parent is like that. Every parent's filming their kid. There are a lot of great parents out there that are there letting are. their kids You're right. there are. live their lives and enjoy right. those moments and all of that. I think also you haven't entered into the age yet where you're seeing a lot of people who have kids that age, and you're going to be surprised how how much more common. You're right. I'm, I'm speaking in hyperbole, but it is more common than – well, first off, when it comes to parents storming the court and fighting an AAU basketball official, all it takes is one. Right, because then they cancel the whole thing. I think it's, I do think it's far more common than you think. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely parents. I'm not denying that whatsoever, but I think just I think, grouping everybody together. Oh, they're all going to be brats one day. I mean, come on. But, but what I'm saying is, I think that the emphasis on youth sports and the the the, the year long travel and the money going into it is far more compounded now than it was even 10 years ago let alone 20 oh certainly yeah i'm not i'm not saying that yeah and, and i mean it's like it's at the point now where i i mean i think it overwhelms it's a huge a commitment lot. at a young age certainly right and i think it burns kids out and i think that more often than not the kids that are burnt out when you see it it's because of not because of the travel rigors or whatever else it's because the parents are so overzealous on seeing them compete I think it's. I think it is. You're right. I mean, obviously, I'm speaking in an unfair absolute, and I'm doing so sarcastically. But I think, undeniably, it is a far more common thing than than you're giving it credit or discredit, whichever way you want to say it. Joel Erickson from the Star going to join us in about five minutes. We'll chat Colts with him uh, again. They had their open OTA session on Friday. A lot of first team reps for Gardner Minshew. Could they be adding to the wideout room coming up? Uh, we'll speak with Joel about that in a few. For now, let's begin with a 1-1 NBA Finals. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It was a great start and a great finish for the Miami Heat last night. 111-108. They even it up with the Denver Nuggets. Jimmy Butler, 21-9, so pretty good. But boy, those undrafted guys, for how bad Max Struess was in Game 1, he was huge, setting the tone early. Duncan Robinson, big in the fourth quarter. Gabe Vincent, kind of the Gabe Vincent we've seen all postseason long. Uh, Miami continues to just, boy, they're that weed in the yard that you think you've killed, and they just show up again and again. So 1-1 with this series shifting to Miami for Game 3. Nikola Jokic had 41 points, but Denver is now 0-3 this postseason when Jokic scores 40 or more. And for the first time in the playoffs, Denver's lost at home. I'm telling you, the thing about Miami that is so like dangerous, for lack of a better they have, they have so many different ways they can beat you. You know what I mean? Like, I, they come down the floor and you're like, Gabe Vincent's not really going to hit a big shot here, right? And if it's not Gabe Vincent, it's Duncan Robinson. And if it's not Duncan Robinson, I mean, you know about Jimmy Butler, you know about Bam Adebayo. I, I guess the question, Kevin, would be for Denver, who's fabulous, no question. But if Jokic and Murray aren't on, then then who's the guy that's going to step up? In Miami, there are just so many different guys that just they know their role, they don't get outside of it. But when the ball comes their way, man, I mean, they all seem to be able to rise to a challenge. And they're fun. I, I mean, 
like I said, you can't rule out Spolstra and just the heart of that team. Are they going to win the series? Maybe not, but impressive last night. Early line on Game 3, Denver favored on the road by 2.5. Wednesday night, 8.30 tip for Game 3. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, Pirates over the Cardinals 2-1. It was the Brewers over the Reds 5-1, Cubs over the Pods 7-1, Yankees over the Dodgers 4-1, Indianapolis Indians 7-0 winners over the Toledo Mudhens. By the way, the Diamondbacks lost. Cute fellow won. The Stick athlete, it, Jake. Are the athletics, were they just idle? Uh, no, no, no. I, I, that would have been better than another loss for them. I don't think they played yesterday. Oh, oh they no, did. they did no, they lose. Seven mm-hmm. five to the Marlins. Uh, mm-hmm. Indians won all three of their games over the weekend against Toledo. They are at home again this week. If you're looking to head out to Victory Field, uh, Jake Detroit yesterday. Alex Pillow pretty darn dominant, like he's really been all season long. Uh, Pillow, when he gets out into leads, I, I mean, he he puts races away more than any other driver probably in that field once he gets out to a lead and they knew in Detroit that that was a narrow racetrack not a lot of passing opportunities so he did what the pole sitter should do he jumped out got to a lead never really relinquished it a couple of times obviously through pit cycles um but in the end not solid run for Will Power as well by the way who finished second and Felix Rosenquist who finished third the one driver probably that would like to get things back would be Roman Grosjean who finished 24th was running up front had a late incident that knocked him out of the race Pato Awards emotions getting the best of him yeah Pato Award man he's you're right he's he's a little too jumpy in the in the cockpit you know what I mean and like be curious to see the next few races for him I mean he's a mega talent a little bit more public with some of the stuff. A little bit more. Certainly the accident of the 500. What happened yesterday. Uh, be something to watch. A lot of yellow laps yesterday on the first year in Detroit. But Alex Plow gets his second win of the season. We mentioned earlier, College World Series. We're still, uh, I guess, a full week away from that. But Indiana State is moving on. They win their regional in Terre Haute. They beat Iowa, North Carolina, Wright State with the three teams in the regional. Uh, the Sycamores, they are moving on. They will take on the winner of Arkansas or TCU. That game is today. Uh, and Indiana State will then play best of three series coming up this weekend against one of those two teams. If they win that, the Fighting JMVers are off to Omaha for the College World Series. Indiana will try and join them in the Super Regional round coming up tonight. That is a 6 o'clock first pitch from Lexington. The Hoosiers had an opportunity last night to punch their ticket, but Kentucky beat them 16-6. to It's a double elimination. That was IU's first loss. Kentucky already lost to Indiana earlier in the weekend, so these two teams will play for the third time coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, the winner, I think it's either LSU or Oregon State in that one. So basically, we've gone from 64, we're getting down to 16, and then eight teams go to Omaha after this the fighting jmvers uh-huh is that what they're going to be known as i'm telling you if indiana state goes to omaha i'm buying indiana state baseball hats for everybody here i'm telling you jmv's got to do a show from there what is it 10 hours nine hours it's got to be 10 at least right is it yeah it's gain an hour we got you you. Do gain, that means I'm, try, I'm trying to look for positives here well i guess he's afternoon so it wouldn't be as big a deal like if we if we went there we'd have to get up at six We'd have to be we'd be on there at six Omaha time. Probably not happening, right? Fever almost beat the defending champs uh, yesterday afternoon, but they lose. Uh, you said one and four now in the year for the fever. One and four for the fever. Yeah. Sound like a pretty entertaining loss, though, for those in the uh, camp for the fever of that rebuild. Uh, all right, let's talk some Colts. We'll be on the other side. Joel A. Erickson. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the star, joins us next. By the way, one quick thing before we get to Joel. Somebody did pass us along. Indiana basketball, when I was talking about Trace Jackson Davis and I said that his question would be his lateral quickness, Indiana sent out a tweet. Trace Jackson Davis at the Combine, first standing vertical power, first in max vertical power, first in three-quarter court sprint speed, and first in shuttle run. Um, And then it says, amongst all centers. Uh, Again, I, I don't deny he's going to be a good NBA player. What I'm saying is, if I from in, from what I've in talking to NBA scouts, their question for him is that they don't see him necessarily as a down low on the block center at his size, and he does have athleticism. They want to see if he can move side to side on the wing against six seven to six nine guys that are playing at say the three or the stretch four. That's all I'm saying. And that would be the area that is of, to say, totally doubted is wrong, but that's the area that they most want to examine and explore. And I would assume one of them that the Pacers will be looking at today. Trace Jackson Davis back in his hometown, as Jake just mentioned there, working out over at the St. Vincent Center. I think it's draft workout six maybe for the Pacers here. Two and a half weeks away from the NBA draft. Uh, Switching gears to the Colts, Jolie Erickson from the SAR with us here. On the Payless Lickers Hotline. Joel, I want to go back to Friday afternoon and before kind of getting your thoughts on the open OTA session that we got to watch. Uh, have you heard anything on the Adam Schefter uh, news front and him reporting that uh, the Colts worked out former first round pick, whiteout Burchard Perriman, and are in discussions about signing there? You heard anything on that front? I have, I have not been able to get anything on that front. Um, I was out of town over the weekend, though, and uh, and so I had, I had other responsibilities. You view veteran pass catcher, veteran wideout. It's been interesting to watch these first two OTAs because the wideout and tight end group are pretty banged up right now. You view that as something they should look into. I I think I think that you know bringing in a guy like Prashad Perryman is it's it's helpful for competition. I don't know that it. I think that I would put him at this point in his career maybe more along the lines of like a a little bit better version of Malik Turner or Juwan Winfrey or some of these other guys that they brought in. You know, he he's been uh, you know mostly a, a, a bit player, rotational player throughout his career, and so I think that I think that you know that despite the fact that he was a first round pick and he has the name and everything like that, he's probably more of a you know, let's let's see what we have here. See if he makes the roster type of guy if they end up signing him. Let me ask you, Joel, what I asked Kevin earlier because everybody's asked me this, and so I, Kevin, weighed in. So I'll get yours. Simple question: How did Anthony Richardson look? What do you say when people are like, "Well, how do he look? How's it? How's he look? What's he done well? What's he done poorly? Where does he look in comparison to other guys that would be just drafted quarterbacks, etc.?" I I think that. What I've been telling people is he, he kind of looks like I would have expected him to look so far. I mean, there's there's a lot of good. You can see the power. You can see um, some some really good stuff in the pocket. I mean, you also see some throws that get missed, uh, and that probably need to be a little bit more automatic. But I, I don't know that I was expecting anything different. I, I think I think so far 
what we've seen out of Richardson on the practice field is pretty much pretty much what I was expecting from him at this stage. Were you surprised at all? Again, Joel Erickson with us from the star. Again, we're out there one day a week, and I try to preface that every time I explain, hey, these are the takeaways. I mean, we're watching one of the three or four OTA sessions each week. But were you surprised at all on Friday that Gardner Minshew took all the starting reps and we were out there? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I thought for sure um, they would, you know, give Richardson at least uh, one of them, especially after, you know, they kind of said everything the week before. I, I I wonder though if uh, I wonder if Sykin cares about how it might look. Um, he doesn't really seem to be that kind of guy, uh, and so I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. The hard part is you kind of make note of it, but we're not out there enough days in a row to to know for sure. Right. It'll be different during uh, training camp. And you asked, and the thing is, you did ask about it. Like we we asked about it, um, and he kind of just you know, deflected it to the side. But, you know, the, the outside of asking, it's hard when you can't have, when you don't have all three practices in a row. I mean, in in, in a couple of weeks now, in mandatory minicamp, if Minshew takes all of them with the first team, then I think I'll be on a little bit more of an alert. Yeah, we'll get three straight days then. Obviously, when training camp opens up in late July, we'll be out there for every practice. If you had to guess, and I don't know, it's probably a stupid question to even ask, it's June 5th. If you had to throw out a training camp date where you think we would start to see a, oh, wow, four straight days of this guy taking 80% of the starting reps, where is maybe your your pivot date? Again, free or, uh, preseason games are the 12th, the 19th, and the 24th of August. So where would be kind of a date you would circle as something to watch for come training camp? Maybe the 14th or so, right after that first game, especially with them going into joint practices the next two weeks after that. Yeah. You know, um, because when you do those joint practices, you're kind of testing out your roster. I mean, you're testing out your roster, but in general, I guess it's a different head coach, so we'd have to see. Um, But, you know, from my memory, I don't remember them messing with the lineup very much in those those joint practices in the past. They kind of tend to to put the first team with the first team and to see what they have. And so I, I think that, that, you know, 14th, 15th, whenever whenever they start, whenever the Bears get here, I think maybe that's when I'd start taking real notice. Unless, I mean, unless he's got all the first teams mapped on the 7th or something. Are we starting to see more of a trend? Let me rephrase that. I think we've already seen the start of this trend. But are we st- – but where does the trend, I guess, end? It seems to me – that training camp now, and this probably is by a, a proper design, but, you know, the days of, like, everybody, you know, the junction boys, right, of, like, oh, it's seven weeks of hell and double two-a-days and da-da-da-da. And, and now, Kevin, as you were talking about, like, it's getting even shorter and shorter where people maybe are going to be able to go out and see them at Grand Park and et cetera. I mean, are we starting to see – I'm not going to say the diminish of training camp, but the devalue of overdoing training camp. Does that make sense, what I'm asking for either one of you guys? Yeah, I think I think what we're seeing more than anything is that, you know, back then, um, I, think, I think the two-a-day Junction Boys, that kind of thing – that was rooted in the idea that they need to get guys in shape. Um, you know, a lot of those stories, reading the Junction Boys, are, are, are about just, just pure brutal conditioning and stuff like that. And the expectation now is is really more that you're you, when you get there, you're in shape. 
Um, you know, like I remember talking to DeForest Buckner last year, and Buckner does like a – he almost does like a, a month-long mini camp of his own with his pass rush coach in the summer. And he said part of that is just that when he gets to camp, he's not doing any of that stuff. He's he's already in in condition for the football moves he's making, and he's, he gets a chance to just work on stuff. Um, and I think that's part of it. I mean, the other part of it, obviously, is injuries. We've seen, you know – countless training camp injuries over the last couple of years. Um, but but I think part of it, I think the biggest part of it and why, why you can maybe not do the same way as you used to is that these guys are sort of expected to be, not sort of, they're, they're expected to come in in shape and ready to go. Whereas I think a lot of that before was was to, to you know, beat it out of them, beat out the offseason out of them. It's Joel Erickson from the Star. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The open OTA session for the media will be Wednesday this week. Uh, then a three-day minicamp next week. That will conclude the off-season program. Joel, we have not seen Shaquille Leonard on the practice field participating in either of the two sessions. My level of concern with that I don't think has really changed much. I didn't expect to see him in the spring. I think the next big date would be if he all of a sudden opens up training camp on the physically unable to perform less, then that would be uh, kind of rising in the in the in the red flag category um, for me. How do you view Leonard and his lack of participation right now since having that second back surgery uh, in November? I, I'm I'm with you. I, I'm not super concerned about it right now. I, I think it's actually maybe probably a good sign that just based on everything he said about what happened last year, he felt like he was on the field way before he should have been. Uh, he wasn't ready when he got out there. It contributed to him having to have a second surgery. Uh, th- there's just there's there's not really a, a necessarily a reason for him to be out there right now. Um, I mean, you want a guy out there if they're healthy, but if you think about like some of the other guys that are not practicing right now, like they're they're not, they're taking no chances with Jonathan Taylor, um, who had surgery on a high ankle sprain, which is you know in my mind, I think when like. You know, like the Alabama guys always do the tightrope surgery on their high ankle sprain, and that's usually to play like in three weeks or something like that. Basically, the, the way NFL teams operate now is is if you've got anything going on in the spring, they're going to hold you out. Just just they're just going to make sure that you don't you don't hurt anything um, any worse. And I, I know I feel like every week when we tweet out like who we see or we don't see, people are like, "Oh man, we we're we're in we're in big trouble." I I. Right now, the list is not that much longer than it would be on a standard, normal training camp day. I think it's pretty much the same. And, again, the, the precaution of it, that's that's been a while now. I think people should kind of start getting used to the fact that teams, they're not going to um, take any chances with players during during the, the practice session. It's, it's during the, the games that they're more willing to uh, let guys play through stuff. But they're, they're not really doing that at any point in the offseason anymore. Even in training camp, they don't really do that. Joel, if there was one position room that Chris Ballard, let's say hypothetically that the NFL institutes a rule that during training camp, the general manager can only analyze one position and, and focus in and watch tape and scrutinize one position, which position would that be that Chris Ballard would choose because it's the one that he feels is the most intriguing to him and has the most question aside from the obvious which would be quarterback but what position is it do you think that Chris Ballard is saying 
I need further analysis as much as I can get at this position. Offensive line. Even is, still, is the huh? First thing, is the first thing that jumped into my mind is offensive line. And not just because Ballard always says, you know, the offensive line and defensive line, but just that they're they're counting on right now, I think the third tackle is Blake, Blake Freeland, who's a rookie. Um there's not a ton of experience depth there. I think I think that's maybe the spot more than anything that you want to know. Like that, they've set it up to to see who's going to compete and who's going to play there, and they don't have a ton of. I want to say I don't. I want to say proven. Let's just say experience. We don't have a ton of experienced options there beyond what they have in the front five and I think that's that's probably the spot that jumps to mind immediately yeah I go back Joel on, on that topic to a question I asked Chris at, at the combine and saying okay do you believe the offensive line issues last season were more personnel based or more coaching based and Chris gave a very politically correct answer and, and didn't really go down either path his actions though here on June 5th have said coaching versus personnel right yeah yeah and I think I think coaching and I think the other thing is just development um, Which I guess goes than, hand in hand. Yeah, more than anything, it does. Yeah, that's true. It does go hand in hand. But you've also made the the point, a good one, I think, that like what we saw with Bernard Ryman getting more consistent, that may have been just the natural progression of what to expect from him, because he was a third round rookie who was thrown into the fire. Um, and it, it does feel like offensive line this off season is the position more than any other that they've been more content to. Um, cornerback too to some degree, but they obviously have the the high pick there. But offensive line feels like the position that they've they've been content to just say, okay, we we think Bernard Ryman and Will Fries are going to develop much further than they have to this point. We're just going to count on that. And yeah, I think coaching obviously is part of that. And then I think I think some of it we've seen this before with Ballard. He's he's betting on he's betting on them developing in their second year, which has turned out. Well, at times, and it turned out very poorly at times, depending on which which example you want to you want to show out. So, um, we'll we'll see where it goes. I, I still keep thinking though that even if you're going to count on those guys in the starting lineup, I, I would still like to have some depth or some experience depth, just because the chances of those guys playing all the games is so remote. Um, and like I said, right now you're you're one Braden Smith injury away from having a rookie and a second-year tackle uh, starting for you. Joel, when teams do the joint practices, and this might be a better question for just you know Shane Steichen or, or one of them, but do you believe that when they get ready to do this, that, that the two respective coaching staffs get together and confer with one another on things they'd like to see? In other words... Is it possible the Colts say to Chicago or you know or, or Philadelphia like, hey, can you run some of this against us? Because that's an area that we really want to see, or I want to see how my guys react to that. Do you think there is any sort of discussion from each respective franchise of what they kind of need or want to see from the other as part of these programs? Yeah, I do. I do think that that's part of it. I think, I mean, you know, if if one team, I think there's some uh, there's some push and pull there where the team's like, well, we want to work on this other thing. But I do think I do think that that's part of it because they have to talk about a lot of stuff. Like a lot of times, whether or not these joint practices devolve into fights comes down to how the coaches set it up in the beginning. Um, and the one joint practice session with the Colts that got a little out of hand. Um, Kind of came down to Freddie Kitchens in, in Cleveland, 
uh, just saying he was okay with it, you know? Um, and so that that's part of it too. But, but I do think that they say, you know, okay, where are you at? What are you working on? You know, we're, we're looking for different looks. Like what, what can we give you? That kind of thing. I do think there's some push and pull there to how they set up the practices, what they work on, uh, that kind of thing. Joel, last one. I appreciate the time here on this Monday morning. Uh, bigger year for Quiddy Pay or Bernard Ryman? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go Ryman. I I think Quiddy. Interesting. Has, I think Quiddy Pay has established himself as a starting caliber defensive end. Now, uh, I understand what you're saying in terms of the, you know, can he take the next step? Can he be top tier? Um, but he's got four sacks and six sacks the last two seasons with while playing through some injury. I think he's established himself as a starting caliber defensive end in the NFL. Ryman has not done that yet. Uh, there's there's a lot to like with him, but he also gave up nine sacks last season, and a lot of them came in really big moments. And I think that I think that for him, he is still has to get to that point where you're looked at as a starting. Uh, left tackle in the league, uh, whereas I think Quiddy Pay is probably there. Now, again, top tier, what kind of money does that mean? I don't know, but, like, you know, look, you look at uh, Samson Abukum, he's he's been in the five, six sack range for a while, and he, he's he's been a starter and just signed a $27 million deal. So I think that you can be that kind of guy at defensive line, and your career is, is going to go pretty well. There's a big difference between – being a starting tackle and being a, a swing tackle or a, or a guy who's who's seen as a depth piece. Yeah, it's a good point how you lay it out there. Okay, Wednesday this week. That'll be our final open OTA session. Joel and I will be out there, and then again next week for the mini camp before the Colts take a much-needed, and Joel gets a much-needed break here throughout the month of June and early July. Joel, thanks for the time, man. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Joel A. Erickson from the Star right there on the Payless Suckers hotline. And just a reminder, Shane Sykin announced this on Friday. We know the Colts will have those two joint practices with the Bears. Still waiting on a date for that. Um, That will be in all likelihood, I think, August 16th and 17th. And then they will go on the road for a joint practice. That will be with the Eagles. That is coming up on August 22nd. So, a little bit of a wrinkle. The Colts have not done multiple joint sessions in a camp, and they've not gone on the road in quite some time. Uh, Jim Mersey tweeted out over the weekend um, that the Bears joint practices will be in the evening. Uh, The Colts will also have two other evening practices during this year's camp, plus a Sunday afternoon practice. Full camp schedule coming soon. They've done the Bears before, right? As usual. Yes, they have. I believe that was at their own facility. That's right. That was closed to the public, I believe. Yeah. Um, So, Ravens, Browns, Lions... Uh, I'm probably forgetting one that they've done the Lions. You at know what Grand they, Park. You know what every player says. How do you forget the Lions? It was on Hard Knocks. No, I said I. I said I remember the Lions. Right? Oh, you remember the Lions? Okay, I thought you said you forgot. Maybe, maybe, maybe I meant to say like I. Yeah, I mean that was the one that. You know, we talked. We were doing the show here, but mm-hmm. the, the the favorite thing that every player says before these. Joint practices, and then also before preseason game number one, the most common line. I'm just ready to hit somebody else. We're just ready to hit somebody in a different helmet. We're tired of seeing each other. Yeah, tired of seeing the blue and white. That's right. I get it. 
Uh, hopefully, for everyone's sake, that uh, training camp schedule gets released pretty soon. And then uh, we mentioned this earlier, but uh, possibly Zaire Franklin on the show Weren't tomorrow. The Browns, one of the ones that the Colts practice with. Yeah, and that Browns? was the one that Joel brought up that yeah. Freddie Kitchens and Frank Reich did not yeah. see eye to eye whatsoever. Uh, Browns players uh, certainly ramped up the physicality and fighting. Colts players, hell yeah. Took their part in it as well. But <laughs> That's what I want to see. Yeah, a whole lot of action there Heck at yeah. Grand Park for that one. It's been pretty... I'm last getting year my was, free ticket worth. Last year was really civil with Dan Campbell and company. Somebody do something. Well, they all had to wear ankle protectors, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that was the, the key with the ones that protect protect hey, against like bear bites, kneecaps, right? Yeah. But it, what, what, kneecaps. That's what it was. I'm sorry. The one? I'm telling you that the Lions are going to be the sexy pick this year. But I, I think the Lions are going to take a big step. That's going to be they everybody's going to say it. They certainly are that already. All right, nine o'clock hour coming up on a beautiful Monday. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, Kevin and Query. Nine o'clock hour here on Kevin and Query. Again, a little appointment television tonight for fans of the Indiana Hoosiers. We got to wait, what, two years until they play basketball again? Is that right? <laughs> now hold on. The game tonight, though, you said appointment television is on ESPN Plus, right? Well, yeah, you're gonna have to. Are curious. You're gonna have to stream it a bit here. Um, I did see there are some games on ESPN Two and ESPN U, but it doesn't look like one of the baseball regionals will be the Lexington one. But yeah, I believe the men's basketball series will get back underway. Not this coming season. Maybe it's 2024. Let's double check that. Um, but tonight in baseball, winner advances, loser season over in Lexington. 6 o'clock, Indiana, Kentucky. Both have beat each other once already this weekend. Double elimination to advance to the Super Regional. One of those games that's going to be on ESPNU does have local um, significance, though, because Arkansas is playing TCU, and the winner of that game, I believe, dictates where Indiana State goes, correct? So if I have this correct, or at least I'm assuming here, Arkansas is the three seed overall in the whole tournament. And Indiana State is the 14 seed. So Indiana State hosted a regional. Again, 16 regionals, four teams each. So if Arkansas wins, they would host the Super Regional with Indiana Correct. State. So Indiana State would go to Fayetteville. Right. And then I would assume if TCU were to win, then Indiana State would host, right? If TCU wins, they go to a neutral site, I'm told. Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense to me. Okay, hang on. Let me see what a second one says here. I mean, um, I'm not saying that person is wrong, Jake. I'm saying it doesn't make sense. No, you're right. If, if TCU or Santa Clara wins, it says here Indiana State will host next weekend. Okay, good. So there you go. Yes, more parties in Terre Haute. I love it. I, Fayetteville would be kind of fun to go to, though. You ever been to Fayetteville? I've heard Arkansas is like underratedly beautiful it is so <laughs> the razorbacks now was that a horn frog or a razorback I, I feel like it could have been either i went for a weekend to fayetteville arkansas when i was in college and first off the state of arkansas it is beautiful i mean it really is a beautiful state but Fayetteville, when I went there, the thing I found interesting at University of Arkansas, which was a pretty campus, and the people were friendly. But all every guy there, literally, it, now I can't speak for now. I don't want to generalize yet again on this program. But at least in 1991, every male at the University of Arkansas was five foot nine and 205 pounds. Oh, 
Good, like, third down <laughs> running backs there. <laughs> Literally. Every one of them. And little hands. They all had little hands. Interesting measurables. Now, John Daly's kid is probably about that size. And five he is a nine, uh, 205 pounds, he's right? He's on the golf team at Arkansas. They yeah. have a great golf program at Arkansas. Some terrific courses down there. So, yes, the Hoosiers and the Wildcats tonight, 6 o'clock, first pitch from Lexington. When did college – okay, is it only since, like, Schwarber kind of put Indiana on the map that college baseball became a thing around here? It seems to me like there is an increased interest each year in college baseball, and in particular the College World Series. Or is it just because we are a – a society now that because of and this is not a bad thing but because of the the ability to televise multiple sporting events we've just become a patterned constantly thirsting for live sports programming audience yeah. because of all the seven and eight-year-old brats are watching tv that's now it. that's it I, I would say the emergence of big 10 network helps in the spring i mean you are able to air a lot of live spring sports that you weren't able to do previously and jake let's be honest we just want to watch a winner it's not like people are showing up to Sunbauer Field to watch ten and thirty-five IU. It's like, oh wow, Indiana's got a good no. baseball team this year. But I'm, I'm saying, watch. like, but but even like to your point earlier, you mentioned you're like Oregon State seems like they're always good in baseball. You know, they've been in the last handful of years. Maybe they've been a long-standing program. I don't know, but it does feel like the College World Series in general has been more discussed in the last say eight to ten years, and maybe locally that's because. Indiana had suddenly was like one of those that was kind of a player in there. The college softball as well, though. I mean, is it television that's that's creating yeah, interest I, I beyond would, just the big three? Yeah, I would say television. I think the NCAA has done a nice job from a college world series standpoint and making sure that they found a, a spot in the calendar, which is you know pretty much the end of the NBA finals. We're going to put it in prime time on ESPN. It's an awesome atmosphere. I feel like when you watch it on TV, I mean, you and I have talked about it, Jake. It's like that's a that's a little bit of a sport bucket list item. Oh, yeah. that'd be that'd be fun to go. I mean, there. It would be fun, yeah. And, and you know, locally, yes, obviously, what Indiana did. You know, Purdue had a team that hosted a regional a few years ago. Notre Dame got to the College World Series again. When you have success, I mean, you know, it's not like yes, JMV is a huge Indiana State supporter it's not like he's talking about indiana state baseball for an hour right year and i mean year he's out. not like oh man if we can just get a second baseman you know yeah. next year yeah um no. so it'll be fun we'll, we'll see again if indiana wins tonight they will advance to the final 16 you'll have eight different super regionals and then if you win that like notre dame did last year with tennessee you will go to the college world series eight teams advance to omaha i didn't get a i should look up how UND did this weekend Here's a um, while you're looking that up. Here's another of my sports questions keeping me awake at night. Um, we have not had a lot of discussion on this program, obviously because it's not necessarily a spectator sport. But literally, either one of you guys know what the I'm going to say. It, I'm probably going to mispronounce this. The Bader Meinhof phenomenon. Do you know what that is? No. That is where Mark, like, someone will use a word. And mm-hmm. you'll say like, whoa, I've never heard that word before. And then they explain what the word means to you. So it becomes in your, you know, in your mind. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, like I'd never heard that word before. And then I heard it seven times in two days. Mm-hmm. That's called the Bader Meinhof phenomenon. Like when something's on your radar, let me know when you find the UND. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, they, they lost on Saturday, by the way. So they're planning to keep their season alive today at one thirty, And they're in the final eight. And they're where? Uh, Cary, North Carolina. Okay. Um, Pickleball is one of those that, like, a year ago, 
I'd never heard of. And then all of a sudden, like, it was everywhere. Like, overnight, it was everywhere. And I know, for example, like, our boss loves pickleball. And it is. I mean, I I played it one time. It was fun, except for that, like, it was like a cult. It was weird. Like, I'm at my gym, and this guy's like, you want to play a game of pickleball? I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll play. What do I do? And so they show me. And with it, literally then for like three straight days, people come up like, did I see you playing pickleball? What did you think? Did you enjoy it? Do you want to join? We have a league. No, it, it, yeah, it was fine. I, you know. And then I think I offended the guy because I said, they said, what do you think of pickleball? And I said, it, it, it was like a deli. Like, it was fine. If I'm hungry, it was perfectly sufficient, but I didn't necessarily seek it out. But, you know, it's, it's fine. And I couldn't believe it. But my, the gym where I go, there's a point to my story here. They have now taken out the basketball. They had two full-court basketball courts that were always being played for pickup mm-hmm. basketball. They've taken the basketball courts out and put them put in now strictly pickleball courts. Now, there were a lot of people that were upset by that because they enjoyed going and shooting baskets or playing certainly the pickup ball. So in talking to a representative of my gym, he said, yeah, I think what we're going to do now, though, is we have the proposals in to put in a half-court basketball court in the spot of the old racquetball courts. And immediately I was struck with the irony here is very rich because I'm old enough to remember when racquetball was the pickleball of the late 70s, early 80s. Everyone was playing racquetball. Everywhere you went, it's racquetball is the fastest growing sport and everybody's playing it. It's great exercise and da, da, da. And I mean, it's fun too, right? Like you watch movies from the 80s, it shows like two guys playing racquetball. That was the thing. So my question is, do you guys think, is pickleball here long-term to stay? No turning back. It is the fastest-growing sport that everybody, and it is great because you can play it into advanced age. Or is it going to become racquetball where like 10 years from now, people are going to be like, do you remember that craze? Which is it? I I think it has staying power for what you just said, Jake, and the fact that you can play advanced age. Yeah, which is cool. I, I, I mean, think. I mean, honestly, one of the great appeals of why I love golf so much is you can have multiple generations playing in the same group. Yeah, and that's and, and you can do that with, with pickleball too, right? I mean, and I think grandparents can play with their grandkids. Correct. And obviously, pickleball is a little bit more of a physical activity. You you certainly are sweating. You're certainly moving. It's not as strenuous as tennis in terms of how much you know ground you have to cover. So I think it does have a chance to have some nice staying power because again with basketball or with i guess basketball is probably of the major sports basketball is the easiest to play in a one-on-one setting just physically you just can't sustain that over time correct um obviously baseball football soccer whatever else you want to throw out there it's team sport so it's really hard to do from a one-on-one standpoint um but yeah i think that is i mean honestly i was talking about it with some friends this weekend we, we were playing golf and we're all you know young fathers and one of the guys who's a tremendous played college basketball could have played college soccer said that his dad tried to play golf with him when he was younger and he hated golf didn't want to do that and now as a young father he is desperately hoping that his two sons will want to play golf with him one day and I think it is kind of that generational aspect of you know if you could go out there, Jake, with your parents and play pickleball, I mean, that's somewhat feasible. Right. Like, it's not no, the craziest right. idea in I the mean, world. I mean, I feel like so. pickleball is to tennis what shuffleboard is to bowling. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you can do it. I, the one thing also that's kind of cool about it, I'm assuming this is true of most places, like at my gym, you can just you walk in and you just get there's you know they're like hey we need a fourth and now you're playing pickleball with three people you've never met before 
And then, you know, by the end of the match or whatever you call it, like, you know, the, hey, you know, good seeing you again, whatever. And, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a nice social thing for sure. But I'm just curious how long it, like. Well, I think it'll be curious, too. Do we see a little bit more public outdoor court? Yes. investment into that. Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of places that had outdoor tennis courts that will turn, turn into it that. over. Correct. You know, I'm, I'm picturing those courts just because it's on my drive home right there at 38th and, um, and Meridian. I guess it's more like 39th or 40th and Meridian, Jake, which I know is kind of in your neck of the woods. You know, do any, do a couple of those courts become, you know, pickleball-centric courts. The, but I, I think the biggest appeal is multiple generations and for an older age group, you feel like you're doing a pretty competitive physically whatever taxing sport which is hard to do now you get this also though so i told you the one time i played i do think the scoring is kind of confusing it, it is kind of confusing um and the rules take a little getting used to but but of course i played and i thought well this is fun like i could do this you know this, this is just walk in every once in a while if i don't feel like working out for a day i'll do because you do actually kind of move a little more than you think sure and as soon as I get done, the guy that I played with, who I could tell was vastly disappointed with my inability to immediately be Bjorn Borg, and then his buddy comes up and is like, you know, I just bought the new Graphite 6200. And it was like a Seinfeld episode. They're comparing like the graphite resistance of the ball spin off of the the, the, the paddle they use. And, and I'm like, uh, okay, here we go. Right? There's always that guy. Are you watching the French Open going on right now? I like the French Open. French Open clay, right? Clay, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Which Americans, well, you could probably insert this. American males tend to struggle in just about every major, but I feel like the French Open, they really struggle. The French Open, typically Rafael Nadal's event, correct? Yes. Uh, her, right? Yeah, correct. I have not been watching it to answer your question. Uh, Djokovic in the field, though, and I believe the last American lost yesterday or Saturday. So, speaking of the French Open. And this is quite the tie-in. You know the third-ranked woman in the world, Jessica Pagula from the United States? Okay. Uh, you know her parents own the Bills. Seemingly, that would be... Are they the... They're not the solo. Isn't that a group that owns the Bills? I thought it was the P- Pagula family. Is it? Okay. Um, do you see they're breaking ground on their new stadium today? I want the Bills fan base to win a title maybe more than any other fan base in professional sports. I mean, it would be cool to see the Bills. They certainly deserve it to win, right? Speaking also of stadiums breaking ground, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. Don't worry, guys. I've done enough of that today. Did Pagula lose? But I, I am I the only one? I would like for people to text me and let me know if I'm the only one with this because sometimes I worry that I that I, I'm like that I'm the only one on thoughts. Am I the only one that, I don't know if I would say peculiar, that finds it interesting, I'll say it that way, that the Indy 11 have broken ground on this $1 billion, with a B, $1 billion stadium, and like, I remember it being proposed as a possibility, and yet there was discussion that they didn't disclose how much of that was going to be publicly funded, and so I thought, okay, well, that, that's that's still going to be kind of discussed and, and figured out. And then all of a sudden it's like, when, when did this get like, I'm not going to say pushed through when and where did this all of a sudden get approved? I feel like most people in town are like, wait, what am I there? This is actually a go. 
I know it's always been discussed, but yeah. were you guys aware of the fact I, that this was a? I, I mean, probably should one, pay attention more to like the legislature a little bit more frequently because I had totally spaced or I. But didn't I don't realize. know, Kevin. I mean, call me. Like, doesn't it seem like that when you're spending one billion dollars, that like that should probably not be something that just like sneaks in through the legislature? Yeah, and again, I don't know if that's on me for not paying that much attention to. It. Like, I had no idea about the proposal about the new IUPUI right. on-campus facility that we right. were talking about with Greg Rakeshaw on Friday. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Ursaw, what's his name? The owner of the Indy Ostemir, 11. Ostemir, correct. He is funding whatever, a substantial, and then the rest is user tax, or right. have, do we get clarity on they that? They have not said. The, li- the last article that I saw from the Indianapolis Business Journal said that they – there was not specification as to how much public money was going to be in it. that it would include public money but they didn't they wouldn't say exactly how much now the other thing that i would like to know i mean one would assume that this is all with the ultimate vision of the indy 11 becoming an mls club but a I feel like there's so many mls teams now that's that's like no one seems to my fear is that there is a hoodwink or a bamboozle here because no one seemed to really get into the brass tacks of the fact that because there's already an MLS team in Cincinnati, already an MLS team in Chicago. St. Louis, a new one? Columbus, I think St. Louis. Number one, I don't think that Indianapolis is on the MLS's radar. Right, it's kind of like baseball. Number two, there is a $250 million expansion fee. So to join the MLS, you've got to write a ticket. You got to write a check to the MLS for two hundred and fifty two hundred and fifty million dollars, which is only thirty million dollars less than the difference between the cost of Lucas Oil Stadium and the new NASL USL whatever league it is soccer stadium in town. Yeah, I, that part of downtown obviously has had some issues, or at least if nothing else, is a bit of a sore eye. Um, Certainly getting clarification on the funding. I, I remember when we had Mickey Shuey on from the IBJ back when that story first broke, I felt like that was kind of the big issue on that end of, or maybe not issue, but certainly question that we had on that. And I don't know if there is clarity. I was under the impression that Ursal certainly, and then the user tax, but I was not sure if or how much public funding would be. In the that. other thing that I think is going to be interesting to watch about this I think Diamond Chain is the name of the where the the factory or whatever it is that was last occupying this area of Indianapolis. And, and I again, I'm probably speaking way above my intellect, which is not hard to do. But one of the key aspects to this that I think is going to be interesting, what no one talks about, that property was originally one of the largest cemeteries in central indiana yeah i do remember this being a topic this, this is kind of wild and it was one of the largest primarily african-american and native american cemeteries in particular they exhumed what they believed to be the majority of those graves and and put them in crown hill in order to put that factory there well, it is my understanding, and I could be wrong here, but it is my understanding that if you want the second you uncover a human bone, it's not like you just toss it aside and keep digging and building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are, I've been told by there are some people that are like, look, man, they may still find like hundreds of graves there. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they do, then it becomes, wait, hold on. 
we've got to stop we've got to do more excavating like in other words what could be a three-year project quickly becomes a much more detailed project than that and i do think that there are people that were saying look there's a reason this land was available folks there's a reason this land was available it's not that easy you don't just move in and start building and i don't know i I just feel like there are a lot of like trap doors to this whole deal and and i just it i hope i'm wrong i I hope with all my heart more education on all of it and tying up well that's that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like for one billion with a b and my understanding is they've they've already like broken ground on this and i'm like wait a minute like when lucas oil stadium which was 720 million dollars final price tag by the time it was said and done when when lucas oil stadium like when they broke ground for that it was like a massive front page of the paper everyone knew about it everybody excited countdown to the new stadium deal and this thing is 30 percent more expensive and like literally it just it slid through kind of like a, oh by the way i forgot to mention i i threw a hershey bar onto the rest of the grocery tab i it just is all of it to me i have reservation about i i i, have, I hope i'm wrong you guys want to venture to guess how many mls teams there are it's isn't it kind of getting close to 30 i was gonna say take a guess i was gonna say 32 under uh, 28 24 29 yeah i was gonna so, say it, it was getting they want to get to 30 Okay, but well, again, I just think from a market standpoint, you don't want to be as Midwest centric as they already are. Yeah, I, yeah you got Chicago, the, St. Louis, Columbus. You know, let's see what Cincinnati. else. Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Cincinnati. I mean, does Louisville have one? Because I thought Louisville was in the running for the last uh, go round. They're in uh, the Indy. They yeah, they're in the, the Indy. Indy 11s, yeah, yeah. Louisville City. Yeah, they're in the they're in the Indy Elevens conference or pub play. Now, Sporting Kansas City is another one. Of those 20, you said 29? 29. How many of them have turned a profit? I don't have that information. Zero. That's the answer is zero, by the way. There's never been yet an MLS team that has turned a profit. Hmm. Not even with the Apple TV money now? Zip, zero. I do think this is kind of a cool story, and I know probably a good chunk of the audience won't really care about it, but certainly a feel-good story from a professional golf standpoint. Yesterday, Victor Hovland won the Memorial, which is probably one of the bigger non-majors of the year. It's Jack Nicholas's tournament. He wins $3.6 million. Very, very healthy payday right there. Uh, this morning, Victor Hovland is caddying for his college teammate, to try and get into the U.S. Open. So picture, obviously, a caddy. Victor Hovland is walking 36 holes. He will spend probably 12 hours on a golf course today, walk about 15 to 20 miles for his college teammate carrying his bag. And he just won $3.6 million yesterday. How much, Kevin, does is that a... First time a caddy is more popular than the golfer? Uh, did you see... Literally. Um, uh, what's the movie with Adam Sandler? Billy Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, his caddy was pretty popular, right? No, he washed all the cars. <laughs> I mean, slightly dirty. Um, <laughs> he he ate a lot of crackers. How, how much at the professional level, Kevin? Do you believe that a caddy's job? Do you think it's more important to have a caddy that understands the psyche of the golfer and can keep them loose, or that can help strategize what to use and how to? Yeah, it's probably like it. seventy thirty mental. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'd say about 70-30. I mean, I do think there are some strategic advantages to having a caddy and reminders that are important. Um, I do think when you're at that level, it gets pretty numbery when you're deciding types of golf shots to hit, wind, direction, etc. So I do think the caddy's pretty beneficial and, hey, let me do all the math and then I'll give you the numbers that are pertinent and we you know, formulate a plan for a golf shot and execute it from there. But 
Victor Hovland seems like a great dude. And uh, $3.6 million. Got the U.S. Open next week. Uh, that is out west in L.A. What I always love about that, first Father's Day weekend. Um, but also, that will be prime time. And that is an awesome, awesome golf course. L.A. Country Club. First time the U.S. Open has been in Los Angeles. Uh, I think in well over 50 years. Uh, Jake, I had relatives who worked at the diamond chain. Frequently, when they excavated for foundations or new equipment, they found bodies. So your concerns would appear to be legitimate. I- I'm telling you. I- I'm not trying to be funny. Like, um, Jake, is it a given that Peyton Manning helped keep the Colts in Indianapolis? I- that's one of the more common beliefs i don't think the colts were going anywhere because at the time that the colts would have been in negotiation to possibly if they wanted that new lucas oil stadium which the city was going to give them bart peterson was not going to allow the colts to leave on his watch but what nobody talks about is at that time the nfl had a policy where in order to move a franchise you had to have 80 percent approval from the rest of the league that came into play because it was so unpopular when bob ursay moved the colts from baltimore to indianapolis and at the time in which the colts were exploring a new franchise so too were enough franchises that they would have prohibited anybody from going to la because all those owners knew in minnesota and in cleveland and in you know, I'm trying to think of the other places that got new stadiums or massive renovations to their existing stadiums. L.A. was their wild card. So they were not going to vote approval for somebody to go to L.A. because it would take away their own trump card against their own city. So, no, they were never in danger of going to Los Angeles. Somebody texted said the MLS is profit sharing. Maybe, but I know that you can look it up. There was not, There's not an MLS team that has turned a profit. I mean, that profit sharing in terms of the, the money that comes in the television revenue is split evenly amongst teams, and then there's probably a salary cap or whatever else. But um, that was the big brouhaha when the last time Indianapolis that it was discussed, it was like two years ago, that they would perhaps submit their name. There was a long entry of the latest expansion round that they did. I think they want to go to 32. They have 29 now. Um and that was the big talking point about it. I'm not saying that it doesn't that it wouldn't be cool or that the MLS wouldn't be fun for I mean for certain and the time probably would be now to try to cash in on like soccer has been popular. I, I, I think the thing that, that hurts soccer a little bit is it is a massively popular youth sport in the United States and I love this fact of it because it is the one sport that all kids can play. And if they're not overly athletic or they're socially awkward or whatever it might be, soccer allows them to learn teamwork and get physical exercise without ever having any sort of a spotlight on that particular kid. That kid never has to go to the free throw line, never has to get in the batter's box, and can learn and enjoy playing with their friends and everything else. Yeah, just but don't in, be the goalie. But in, Yeah, that's right. But in this country... A lot of times, by those by the time those kids are ten or twelve, they are then venturing into baseball, football, tennis, golf. You know, whatever. There are so many different sports. Well, financially, it's the easiest play. sport. You need a ball and two trees. Correct, which is why it's the most popular sport yeah, in the world. Certainly, certainly. Uh, all right, pop quiz coming up in a few. So three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jiffy Lube oil change. We're giving away for that. Uh, let's lead off the morning checkdown with the upset in Denver last night. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. 
We're tied up at one in Denver. 111-108 last night. Jimmy Butler was pretty good, but honestly, the undrafted dudes can continue to show some impressive resiliency. Max Struess got it started early on. Duncan Robinson, great in the fourth quarter. Gabe Vincent, pretty steady throughout. Now this series is tied at one. Nikola Jokic with 41, but for the third time this postseason, he's been over 40, and the Nuggets have lost all three games. It's not a, a series until the road team wins a game. That's now happened as Wednesday. They go back to Miami. Do you have that Gabe Vincent sound you played earlier this morning, Mark? No, I don't have that, though, no, What's that? No. Were you just playing that for our own enjoyment? Well, I was pulling it to see if it was worth using, and then we were like, oh, let's just use the I, final call. I thought it was. I'm sorry. 17 threes you. for Miami last night. Their first, Denver's first loss at home since March. You surprised to see Denver a slight favorite still for game three on the road? Not necessarily, because I do think that when they're all clicking on all cylinders, you know, Denver probably is the better, the more dynamic team. Miami as a team plays so well together, though, man. I mean, this is what they do, I'm telling you. They just hang around games. They get a lead late in the third. They get a three-point lead midway through the fourth, then it's five, then it's seven, then it's nine. All of a sudden, you're like, what the hell just happened? I thought when Denver punched them in the second and third quarter, it was over. I was like, okay, that was your one chance. On the road, in an environment where not a lot of teams have success, period, let alone here as of late, I thought it was over. But darn impressive by the Heat, which we continue to say here, in a remarkable playoff run. Hold on. I was trying to find the Gabe Vincent. Oh, jeez. Weird, Completely thrown Mark off. You have right now. Uh, racing yesterday, NASCAR. Kyle Busch, the winner, by the way, in the Ticket Smarter. Enjoy Illinois 300. Did you enjoy Illinois this weekend? Uh, I did. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Did you? Wait, it was fine. Where was that race? Uh, I'm assuming Worldwide Technology Raceway, St. Louis. Oh, basically. is that Gateway? Gateway, yeah. Uh, Kyle Busch, the winner. Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, top three. All right, give me number one through thirty-six. Uh, sixteen. Number 16 for you, Kevin Bowen, courtesy of Justin Haley. You have won, oh, a year's supply of leaf filter gutter protection. Oh, perfect. Good. Just in time. Mark? Uh, 28. Number 28 for Mark Dykton. You, Mark Dykton, won a lifetime supply, courtesy of Brad Keselowski, of King's Hawaiian. Oh, oh yeah. Kings. Is that the little... Like the bread. Yeah, yeah making yeah. some pork sliders then. <laughs> nice. Right, give me a number, Mark. A 30. Number 30 for myself. Thank you, uh, courtesy of Bubba Wallace. Uh, Lidos, is that right? Hey, spell that. L-E-I-D-O-S. What's the sponsor on Alex Pillow's green car? Is it still American Legion? Is it still the 10, uh, the blue and white that we uh, saw? No, it was Ridgeline. 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 Yeah. Lidos, innovative solutions throughout IT, engineering, and science That's, to solve the customer's most demanding challenges. That is right in my wheelhouse. Perfect for the NASCAR. Kevin and, Kevin and I might have to call them. The most demanding challenges are mm-hmm. usually... Seven to ten each, each, yeah. each day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Pillow, six top fives and seven races this year, two wins. Jake, a lot of yellows yesterday, but for the most part, Alex Pillow was in firm control. Yeah, Pillow, you know, before the race, Mark James had said to me, he goes, look, if I'm Alex Pillow and Scott McLaughlin, I get together and say, look, let, let's get cleanly through lap number one and just let the mayhem go on behind us and completely check out. I don't think that it was as much a parking lot race as people thought it was going to be. But it was a narrow track. A couple of drivers, Santino Ferrucci notably, friend of the show, had some issues with the right-hand turns throughout. Graham Rahal did. Roman Grosjean did. Rahal's steering went out. It wasn't necessarily his fault. But um, overall, I thought a pretty good race, though. And I thought for a first-time event, well-attended, lots of fans, pretty good aerials and visuals. So overall, I think what Roger Penske was hoping to accomplish was accomplished. But Alex Pillow, the winner, and now, of course, the points leader as well. 
Uh, Road America in two weeks. That is correct. Uh, a much anticipated and welcomed weekend off for everybody. Uh, kind of putting some local ties, I guess, into the morning check down. Trace Jackson Davis working out for the Pacers later today. He's among six. Pretty much a little bit more of a big man feel to this workout for the Pacers. The Fever lost a really competitive game with the defending champs yesterday. That would be the Aces 84-80. And on the College World Series front, Indiana State moving on to the Sweet 16, if you will. That is a super regional, so just not yet to Omaha. Got to win two of three. Coming up this weekend, they'll either play Arkansas or TCU. Indiana will try and get to the Super Regional round tonight. That is a first pitch at 6 o'clock from Lexington. Those two teams, Kentucky and Indiana, have split already this weekend. So the winner of that one gets LSU or Oregon State. I stand corrected, by the way. This year, for the first time, seven teams in the MLS turned a profit. Mm. Uh, Led by Los Angeles who made a profit of $8 million. Hey, hey. David Beckham, baby? Isn't he an owner? Yeah, he was involved. Remember when he signed there, it was that was a huge deal. Yeah, I... Uh, $8 million, the leading profit. Hey. Uh, Listener Andrew, who had I'll texted about profit. the MLS being profit sharing, I was I asked him for a little bit more info. Lee contractually owns all, all revenue and then redistributes to the teams. There are additional payouts for performance. Interestingly, when they go after players like Beckham, the league decides which market to place them and how much they want to spend. Was that Messi related? Is Messi in Miami yet, or has that started? No, I think he's going back to Barcelona, probably. Oh, I thought he had signed with the Miami team. I don't know. There's some rumblings that stuff might be changing. Gotcha. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, for I, I think the biggest challenge the MLS has, though, is that to fans in this country that are soccer enthusiasts, they still think of it as like third tier, right? Oh, certainly. I, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing they've got to I overcome. I mean, just look at the TV package. It's on exactly. Apple TV. Mm-hmm. You know, like like people still, they have their EPL team or their, you know, one of the European teams that they most follow. Yeah. And again, your third fiddle from NFL, NBA. I mean, hell, college sports would probably be ahead of the MLS I think even if you're well. a soccer fan in America, you're watching Premier League or something like yeah. that. And MLS is, yeah. Yeah. Maybe on your radar if there's nothing else on usually. All right, time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Jeffy Luboy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'll change on the other side. I'm here on Kevin Query. Good Monday morning to you, by the way. Are we good over there? <laughs> Dropping headsets. All the headset and went flying. Like, uh, don't even, anyway, yeah, we're fine. Thank you. I appreciate your asking. Talking a little bit College World Series during the break. I'm seeing a lot of hit by pitches in the old NCAA baseball tournament. If you had to guess, what school has won the most College World Series? Boy, Just based on like repu- like, doesn't it seem like LSU has won several? Yeah, I was going to guess Texas. Texas would be a good one. Um, Wichita State. Florida. Fullerton. Fullerton. Good one, Scotty. Clemson's won a couple, right? Yeah, I feel like Oregon State here lately. Is Tennessee State, in the mix a lot? Tennessee's a good one. Tennessee, though, isn't Tennessee like the the Dean Smith, North Carolina of the College World Series? Like, they're always the number one seed that gets upset? Yeah. Because they're just volunteers. They're just, they're just there for a good time. <laughs> Mark. It's hard for them to 
they they Tennessee's really been hurt by the NL uh-huh. NIL thing, yeah. Mark, because they're all nobody will take the money. Didn't Tennessee spend the most on their on that quarterback coming from California? I think that's right. Uh, all right, it's pop quiz time. Uh, phone lines are full. JK number one through eight. I'm busy looking up list of college World Series champions. Uh, we will go with number eh, five. We haven't done five in a while. Number five, Mark Dyke. Tim. Tim. Yes, guys. What's up, Tim? Mm, not much. Tim, how you do- how you doing on this Monday? Oh, pretty good. Tim, you kind of sounded like the first question of the pop quiz was, how are you? Kind of sounded like a Monday. <laughs> yeah. You've called the program before, right, Tim? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, you're doing what right now as we speak? Going to the grocery store. Oh, okay. And and do you have a long grocery list or just a few items you need? I don't even know what I'm making tonight, so oh. it's pretty short. So you just walk around till something jumps out at you? Yes. Tim, do you ever, I, not that you know you go to the grocery store seven days a week, do you ever find Mondays to be a little bit more kind of dry in the grocery store, you know, considering maybe some of the trucks haven't unloaded yet for the week? I'm off. I go whatever day, so no, not really. You a married fella, Tim? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, kids, Tim? Oh, yeah. How many kids do you have? <laughs> Two. Two. Almost and, 15 and 16. Okay. Oh, wow. I was, so I was going to say, like, I don't know if you know this or not, but high school social supremacy often determined by how good the pantry is in the house. You know? Yeah. I mean, Cheryl Jacqueline had the greatest kitchen of all time. Matt Jacqueline's mom would always load that bad boy up with hostess. We all hung out there. <laughs> Tim, all who's right. your uh, favorite athlete of all time? Bird. Okay. That's good. Do we have a Sycamore question on this podcast? We do. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, boy. Question number one for you, Tim. The Indiana State Sycamores advanced to the Super Regionals of the NCAA Baseball Tournament with their win over Iowa yesterday in Terre Haute. When was the last time that Indiana State played in the College World Series, right at the apex of Larry Legend's career? Would it be A, they've actually never done it, B, 1995, C, 1986, or D, 1979? I'm guessing 79. See, I thought that was confusing when you said the apex. The apex of his professional career. Oh, I'm guessing 86. Okay. All right, number two here, Tim. Uh, Nikola Jokic, 41 for the Nuggets last night in their game two loss to the Heat. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard this. It's the third time this postseason that Jokic has scored 40 more points in a game. How many of those have the Nuggets won? Zero, one, two, or three? Well, it's obviously not three. Uh, I think it's one. Gosh. I don't remember you guys talking about that. But I always kind of get dejected when we've said something like three or four times and then the answer isn't. Question number three for you, Tim. This is one of these Scott Johnston specials that has like 19 different factoids in it, so please, we ask you pay attention. Last night marked the seventh time this postseason that the Heat overcame a double-digit deficit to win. The seven double-digit comeback wins is tied for the most in a single postseason over the last 25 years, but it's happened four times. Three of those were done by the Heat. Name the other franchise to overcome double-digit deficits seven times in a postseason since 1998. A, the Mavericks, B, the Warriors, C, the Cavs, or D, the Lakers? B. That was boy or dog? Bravo. Tim, what's the most worthless aisle in the grocery store? 
The aisle you least traffic. Uh, probably the soup one. How about flour and sugar? Yeah, I don't go down that one either. Yeah, I do like to see the brownie mixes, but I'm not a big baker. <laughs> uh, all right, Sorry, you can't lick the box. Number four here, Tim. There won't be a sweep in the NBA Finals, obviously. Game three going to be Wednesday, one apiece. There have only been nine sweeps in NBA history, with Golden State being the last to do it, sweeping the Cavs in 2018. Only one NBA franchise has had multiple NBA Finals sweeps. Is it the Celtics, the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Bulls? You mean they they swept or got swept? Uh, They did the sweeping. Okay. I didn't hear the first team. Uh, Celtics, Lakers, Warriors, or Bulls? Man. It's a good question, Scotty. You'd have to think Celtics or Lakers. I'll say... I'll say Celtics. Okay. All right, last one for you, Tim. Name the last team to sweep the Stanley Cup final. And they did it in an arena that IndyCar drove under its old site yesterday. Tampa Bay Lightning, Pittsburgh Penguins, Detroit Red Wings, or the Colorado Avalanche? Tampa Bay. Alex Blow celebrated, right, yesterday? That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vegas up 1-0. Did I see that? They uh-huh. are. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, game two tonight, right? Fairly resounding win in on game our one. airwaves. Yes, seven thirty. Our coverage will begin. All right. Uh, Tim got number one right. Jake, correct? Eighty six for the Sycamores. That last is time. correct. That is correct. Uh, unfortunately, two was a slip up. Uh, the Nuggets. They have had three games this postseason where Nikola Jokic has scored over forty. They have won zero. Mm. You blew it. Thanks, Tim. Good luck at the grocery. Solid in knowing that Golden State, by the way, was the question, the answer for the double-digit deal. Uh, Golden State also was the team that has swept two different franchises. They did it 75 over the Bullets, 2018 over the Cavaliers, and it was the Detroit Red Wings were the last to sweep a Stanley Cup final, beating Washington in 98. Tim making some pesto pasta tonight. That's, that's going to be my bet on where to settle. That's a good question. What's the lamest? What's the, what's the most... Bizarre, th- like the hardest thing to find. I'll tell you, like the hardest thing to find at, at the grocery, grocery store? store. Like, like it's not where you'd think it would be. Oh, one of them is you're gonna laugh when I say that, canned canned pumpkin. So Shannon feeds the dogs canned pumpkin. Uh huh. Is it in the canned goods? You would think it'd be like in the vegetable aisle. Spices? It's, it's like yeah, it's in. It's by over like by the bakery spice. and stuff. I would assume. Yeah, it's like down by like the flour and sugar yeah. and cornbread mix. Okay, like, that's a reminder. I've got to get Rosie a birthday cake. Rosie's turning three a week from today. Oh man, we're gonna go Taylor's action. Oh, uh, nothing wrong there. You got to get the orange fluff. Uh, Rosie, what type of cake you want? Uh, pink, uh, chocolate or vanilla? Pink. So, we'll see. She knows, what, she knows what she wants. Pink cake. Last year was a purple party. We've progressed from purple at two to pink at three. Okay. That's okay. where we're at right now. Uh, all right, we'll do one final time here. Kevin and Corey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. About newer playground area games that you have noticed well it's because you came up with that you had that term that you used earlier for explaining pickleball and i was like what was that term because there was another one that came up in my daughter's school has this like it was just like it almost looked like a construction zone where there's all these 
barriers around. I was like, what is that? And she's like, oh, there's a game called Gaga Ball. And it's a Gaga Ball Pit. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And apparently it's like a game like Dodgeball, but instead of throwing the ball, you roll it. And there's a group of kids in the in the ball pit, and you can throw the ball off the wall and all that, and try to hit each other until there's only one kid left. So that's how that works. And ever since she mentioned it, I've seen it pop up. It's all at like playgrounds around the area and stuff. So something I never heard of like three weeks ago is all the rage apparently. So let me give you three. Since you guys have young children, let me give you three things that were common. It's like, very sophisticated, Mark. By the it way, it does. Here are three common playground things that were on school playgrounds when I was a kid that I'm guessing are no longer around, okay? The witch's hat. Yeah, I don't know what that is. The witch's hat is like a... Unfamiliar with that. How, Scotty, how do you describe the witch's hat? It's it's a... Okay, it, it's a you have a pole. The witch's hat was a... Was a, a, a device that went down over it with like a round bench all the way around it and you would sit on it and it swung back and forth you can go around in a circle or swing it really high back and forth i, I mean like, like it's, a teeter-totter situation i wish i could draw it this is not good for radio i realize uh we'll move along here um merry-go-rounds yeah uh-huh. I, I mean certainly know what they are i just think the sheer size of them doesn't make a whole lot of sense um Slides, big big electric slide, or not electric, electric. big big. Nah, sorry, <laughs> are we at a wedding? Not, not yeah, no big aluminum. <laughs> Here comes slides. grandma. Like, yeah, do oh, those, yeah. Are those I mean, slide, yeah, slides are everywhere. Yeah, the yeah. worst was in, when you get on those metal slides in the middle of the summer. Oh, so, oh yeah. my god, yeah, <laughs> goodbye flesh. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, monkey bar still alive. Um, yeah, are I the mean, monkey bars still future. around though? Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah, big hit. How about just big, like, as Scotty writes down here, asphalt and gravel tracks? I mean, it does. I was talking to my my nephew. Is, uh, was he seven? About to be seven. And they play Foursquare at recess, which, I mean, Foursquare was huge for us back in the day. Huge. Yeah. I'm trying to see. Hold on. I can't be the only one that had a witch's hat at our school, right? But, like, I look at it now. I'm like, that thing was, like, a disaster waiting to happen. I mean... I mean, honestly, it is kind of crazy. The monkey bars are still around. Just like, I mean, how many kids have well, fallen off I knocked myself out in just, elementary school on those. Yeah. How many kids just fallen off that? Woke up in a third grader's arms. I forget who the major league player was yesterday that tripped over the first base. Did you see him land on his neck? Did no. you see that? He was fine, but boy, it was just one of those really just awkward, awkward landings that could have gone pretty poorly here. So ESPN Plus tonight, Mark, is that what you said for Indiana, Kentucky? That's what it looks like. Yeah, I checked my ESPN app, Six and that's what it pitch. looks like. Yep. Uh, again, we'll find out Indiana State location-wise and where they're off to. Uh, Stanley Cup final tonight, game two. Nice job. Drop Golden the S Knights. off that. Drop the S, yeah. Um, Golden Knights, what, they 5-2 winners, 6-2 winners over yeah, the Panthers? They're, they're going up 2-love tonight. Game one, and then we'll have to wait till game three for the Brendan, NBA finals. Brendan King better have plenty of little kings. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis working out for the Pacers. How much do you think these workouts matter? I don't know on the court that they matter as much as the 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 body language. The so it's more of like a personality test. I kind of think so. I mean, you know, you, you hear the work, you, you hear the stories of like, yeah, we drafted a guy, and you know, when he came in, he actually missed like nine straight shots, and you know. Wasn't it Marshawn Brooks that like outplayed Clay Thompson in the Pacers workout? Yeah, I mean, come on, right? 
Yeah. I thought Tony East made a good point when he was on with us last week, maybe the week before. You know, there's so much kind of early career turnover in the NBA that it's so beneficial to have as many workouts as possible just to get intel on these guys. Think about Jordan Wara for the Pacers. They didn't draft him, but Jordan Wara is in, what, year three? And all of a sudden, they make yeah. a trade for him, and now he's here. And I, I, you know, I'm not gonna act like he's the most important piece, but if I'm making a top well, seven, top eight, Jordan Wars in that. You know, how often do we hear Kevin like in the NFL that some guy gets drafted, and you're like, and they're like, well, actually, we were we were scouting so and so on that team, and this guy's the one that just kept popping out on tape. So we said that's the guy. So you wonder the same thing, like with these workouts, are they looking at player A? But they're like, man, like we were really interested in player A, and that's this guy just kept. So maybe in those cases, it does pop out a little bit where you can really introduce yourself. It would be hard to think that Trace Jackson Davis that there's a whole lot about Trace Jackson Davis that the Pacers wouldn't already know for the obvious reasons, right? I mean, aside from just the fact that he's from here and played at IU, you know, they've seemingly would have known him since he was basically at birth right i mean he's been around uh, you know it'd be interesting to know how much and, and i know the dynamic with he and dale davis is a little bit different but you know was he around is are there pictures of trace jackson davis like in the locker room when he was three you know i don't know i don't know how long when that relationship really began or what or whatever else but um you know you kind of forget right that he's been around it his whole life basically so the Cleveland Browns, remember this name, just cut Joe Haig, former Colt. Yeah, he was a was he a North Dakota State guy? Yeah. So what do you think that is? Gr- Ryan Grixon had five drafts. If I set the over under at five players still left from those five drafts, would you go over under? Still in the league? Mm-hmm. I'd go. I'd, Ooh, I'd say well, under. I think. Ryan Kelly, Dorsett. What was the last year he drafted? Henry Anderson. The shelf life average anyway. Twenty sixteen. Uh, All right, uh, Zaire Franklin, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, Steph Wilson? Yep. All right, everybody have a great day. See you.